What's going on, everyone? This is Mike Sleater with the My Two Alive podcast, and I'm back with another episode. In this episode, I get to sit down with uh, Trevor Reese from Maxima USA. Um, it's It's been a while since I've uh, sat down with Trevor. Um, he's been busy, as, as well as myself. Um, Trevor and I go pretty far back. He's um, quite a few years younger than me, um, but it's just been, you know, really cool watching his career unfold as a writer and then into a professional sector with Maxima USA. Um, today I had him up to my place, um, before we did the podcast and we went on a bike ride. Um, and, and it had a good chat and, and, you know, just caught up. It's, it's been a while and, um, you know, we both are, uh, avid mountain bike riders and, and huge fans of moto. So in this episode we talk about Trevor's career um, really, really cool career. Loretta Lynn's champion at a young age. He'll talk us and walk us through that. Um, he grew up down in San Diego, um, East San Diego County, Alpine. Still down there to this day. And um, the racing and riding and what it was in San Diego went t- at one time. We talk about his transition into a professional career with Maxima USA and everything in between. He's extremely knowledgeable in the sport. And... Uh, it, it was a pleasure. It was a long one. Um, we did take a bit of time and walk through H2 Supercross and his opinions and thoughts of racing and had some good bench racing. So this is a two-hour podcast roughly about Trevor Reese and our thoughts on the Houston Supercross. Um, there's some pretty good insight if you're a parent with a young rider. Um, there's some insight if you're a rider looking to be sponsored, what they're looking for. And if you're a rider that's questioning what you're doing at a you know 14, 15, listening to this and want to have a hit the reset button, Trevor did that. So I'd like to thank everyone who's been listening. It's been a fun uh, growing this thing. Um, this all wouldn't be possible without my sponsors and supporters. Um, like I said, this thing's brought to you by MotoOnline.com. Um, they are working with me on all of my testing platform now um, as I transition to Australia. Um, yeah, check them out, MotoOnline.com. Really, really quality news feed, um, social media. Um, guys over there, Alex Gilbert's killing it. So I, I suggest you check out their their platform. Um, intense Cycles. I ride Intense Cycles. Trevor Reese rides Intense Cycles. Uh, he, I rode the Carbine today. He rides the Primer. Um, man, if you're looking for a bike, look no further than IntenseCycles.com. They have the full lineup. The Lawrence brothers ride Intense Cycles. Hunter Lawrence kicked everyone's ass last... I'm sorry, Jet Lawrence kicked everyone's ass last night. Um, and he rides the Sniper T. I just fit him on the Intense a couple weeks ago with Johnny O'Mara. Um, yeah, just the, the list goes on and on. Aaron Gwynn. So if you're looking to get a new Intense Cycles bike, I suggest you use Sleater underscore 10 for 10% off at checkout. That supports them. That supports me. We all win, and you get a discount, so check them out. Um, this this podcast is also brought to you by Ride Stasic. Um, Ryan Raglan and crew over there have brought a revolutionary, revolutionary bike to the market that allows the kids as young as two years old to start twisting a throttle with three different modes, transfer into 16, and they have some really exciting stuff on the way. I can't share that. wait to share that with you guys. So... Check out ridestasic.com for more info. Those things sell out fast, so make sure you're on that. Um, and hey, Maximum Racing Oils. If you're not using Maximum Racing Oils, you're pretty much an idiot. 
Um, Trevor works for them, Trevor Reese, the dogger. It's a family-owned op- and operated business down in Santee, California. The, the, honestly, it's uh, the best oil you could put in your bike, your car, use on your bicycle with, you know, Persegate Kawasaki, um, Moto Concepts, to name a few, Team Green. Um, uh, Slam Life, Mark Samuels uses the Maximum Racing Oils to win Baja 1500, that 1X bike. Yeah, I suggest you uh, check them out, get them. The Maxima Pro Filter is um, one of my favorite pieces. Just put it in the bike, get it out, throw it away, get a new one. I love Maxima products, and I stand behind them. Um, Maxxis Tires. Man, this is, a, this is a weird one here, right? I've talked about them, but it's just interesting how un, how much knowledge people don't know about Maxxis. Maxxis Tires is the leader in the mountain bike segment, and they are new to the moto sector and people have not yet to try it. i suggest you get max's tires jeremy mcgrath myself helped develop that new it and st tire it is phenomenal um, great compound selections they go on easy and it's just a brand that you can stand behind they're fun axel hodge is doing those huge stoppies uses max's tires um yeah get behind them they're a great tire for off-road on-road mountain bike truck I just ordered my truck tires from for Australia, and I, I can't wait to put them on. So support Max's Tires at maxistires.com. But enough of the sponsor reels, but I have to do it, guys. These people support me to continue to do what I do. And I hope you enjoy this podcast with Maxima Racing's Trevor Reese. Going on, this is Mike Sleater with the My Two Life podcast, and I'm uh, joined today by Trevor Reese. Uh, Trevor's been a uh, longtime friend of mine. Um, I keep saying these are my friends, I just keep bringing friends on, but I have, I have a lot of friends and acquaintances that uh, mean a lot to me, and we're kind of catching up before I cross the pond. But today, uh, Trevor, we got to go out for a mountain bike ride that we've been trying to do, I swear, for half for five years. Yeah, it seems like it, man. Uh, so yeah, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to chatting a little bit. Um, yeah, it's good to come up and, and and ride this spot. You know, I I don't live that far from it, and I ride all the time. And today was the first day that I've been out there, so uh, it was cool to go check it out. And like you said, it's it's been a long time of us talking. You know, about getting together and doing some riding and things like that. So yeah, had a lot of fun, man. Yeah, it's uh, Trevor's. You're quite the accomplished moto racer um, in your own right, and we both kind of gravitated towards mountain bikes at the same time. It seems like you're you're ten years younger than me, but um, as you trained, you're you're always were known for training real hard. You took fitness real real serious when you were racing full time, and even when you're after, I think you dove into it even more. But you know, we have this common bond of riding intense cycles. We race uh, Victor Sheldon's Quick and Dirty series. Yep. We'd always battled down there in Escondido, so. Getting out on the on our trail bikes at Greer Ranch, my local spot was was a treat today. We put in some good miles and had a good laugh, and I, I love to give people a tour of my spot. Um, I'll miss the place, but uh, I feel bad I didn't get down to, to down to Alpine and ride get some pine life in. Yeah, yeah, we got a few good ones down my way, and that's why it's it's hard to make the drive up here, you know, because it's like oh, I got three or four good spots right here that we all actively dig on and, and ride quite a bit. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't get up here too much, but. Uh, the trails, trails down, down my way have been, been really good. You know, I think 
we're seeing kind of what you're seeing up here, you know, a lot of people coming out and riding and uh, people that haven't been there before just with what's going on, more people wanting to get outside and ride. So uh, it's been it's been busy, but uh, everything's held up pretty good and uh, weather's been good. So you can't, you know, you can't ask for much more right now. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I text you, I'm like, oh shit, I don't know if I if I told him what bike to ride, cause you're like my, myself, you have a quiver of bikes, yeah. you know, you have an XC bike, a trail bike, a road bike. And I, obviously we weren't riding road today, but I'm like, if he brings his XC bike up and we're riding Greer, I'll have to do a different route than what would the typical layer land would be like, no, nah, no, nah, I know where I'm riding. I brought my primer and I'm like, fuck, he's got the bike of choice. Like the carbine's a little overgunned for Greer and yeah. you're on a primer and you're fit. So I had to make sure I humped it up the hill. So I wasn't holding you up, but man, it was a good day. We, 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 uh, Share the love for two wheels, that's for sure. And we'll kind of kick that off and give me a little insight of, um, I remember first seeing you down at Barota Oaks, CMMC days, like when it was still the club, seeing your young family, when your mom and dad were young, and I was yeah. probably 13, 14, and you were a ripper, like on 50s, 65s. Kind of walk me through in a you know, quick snapshot of your, your early amateur career. Yeah, I mean, I got started on a bicycle like like most people do, you know. Um, I remember, you know, I have a plaque being the youngest active member at the time I was two years old riding the local BMX track, you know, so my dad would chase me around and make sure I didn't tip over, you know, so I've been, I've been on two wheels, you know, since I could walk basically. Was that Cactus Park? Yeah, Cactus Park. So. <laughs> In Lakeside. Yep, yep, yep. And, and so. That's, and that's, for people that don't know, that's East San Diego area, yeah. about, you know, 35 minutes from, say, Mission Bay, La Jolla. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just so, uh, sorry. Just go ahead. A bit. No. So I mean, the the progression from from that is is going to a dirt bike, you know. And my dad, growing up, he he rode and raced three wheelers and did all that, you know. So he had been he had been around it, and um, you know, when I was born, I you know, it was like, well, he's he's going to get a bicycle, and then he's going to get a dirt bike, and then you know, things kind of spiraled from there. So um, yeah, I got a dirt bike, I think it was my probably fifth birthday, you know, little Suzuki JR50 was the first bike that I had, and then start riding in the backyard and having some fun, getting a little bit better, and then I remember it was one, one Christmas, maybe a couple of years after that, uh, he had got me a Lem 50 at the time, so, you know, like go out in the garage, the, the new bike, the whole deal, so started riding that, and then went to Cobras, you know, and Cobras were a huge deal when I was, when I was coming up as an amateur, and um, yeah, just started racing everywhere local, you know, like I was a Brown Oaks kid that was right in my backyard. So we were there, I swear, every weekend, you know, every other weekend, <laughs> or every other weekend yeah, it was, yep. and, and the rotating Barona schedule Oaks was a nonprofit. So they say, right. So they say, <laughs> but they, they accumulate all the money, um, for people that don't know the heritage of, of Barona. We were on the latter end of the curve, like as it was kind of by the, the, not the best years of the Barona, right. but we still got the taste of it. Um, as a nonprofit, they would take all the money, obviously run the races, run the facility. The dads would volunteer, yep. uncles, whoever, parents, and they'd run the races. And end of the year, they had the mini nationals. Oh, and yeah. they'd buy prizes from, they just basically raid Costco. And the grand prize for a lot of years was like a, a scooter. Yeah. And then it, it kind of dwindled. Then it was something else. So, yeah. Talk yeah. about your role, like your ride through Barona and then that next step, whether it was World Mini or Mammoth and, and kind of go through those years. Yeah. I, th I mean, Mini Nationals was huge when I was a kid. That was like, you know, there it was they draw a lot of people from, from even out of state, you know yep. what I mean? And, and I, I just, I always remember, and I can laugh about it now talking with my dad, but you know, you'd go to the prize line and they'd have like, 
you know, air compressors and toolboxes and nice stuff, you know, and the dads are like, get the toolbox, get the toolbox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the kid goes in there and grabs the Nerf gun. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, right. and the stock classes were the, was the premier class. Yeah. Right. And then yep. the mod class went after all the thought classes. Yep. Right. Yeah. And so we always, we would always joke about that, you know, as I've, as I've gotten older and I'm thinking back, way, but dude, like, I'm you know, the, the dads way. are like, get the tools, you know, and the kids grab it. You know, like I said, the Nerf gun and or things the water like that. Slide. So, yeah. 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 But man, Brona was, I mean, a special time. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it was, uh, there was a good group of, of really fast kids that I grew up with racing there. You know, you had, uh, you know, I ran around with, with Michael Hall was a kid that I spent a lot of time with when I was young yes. and, uh, Clayton Marillo was another guy yeah. that was super fast and amateurs. Justin Morgan was super fast. So we all just, I mean, we used to go at it up there, but we're all buddies, you know, like we'd yeah. go practice and then we'd all jump in some dad's truck and go stay the night at someone's house. And like, so we had a good thing going for a long time. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and then who were some guys that you looked up when, up with up to down in that area? Um, um, I have a few guys older than me that I did. <clears throat> who were some of the influencers that you saw when you're growing up, like in that, that 619 Barona yeah. hood? Uh, probably, probably the biggest one was, was Lano. It was I, Billy I had Lanovich. a feeling. Yeah. yeah I, I, it gives me goosebumps, man. Oh yeah. I mean, to one of the most naturally talented guys you could watch ride a bike, you know what I mean? And a and, good person. And was an awesome guy. He's uh, not dead. He's right. Right. We're right. talking past tense, but right. his racing career is no longer, but yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, so Billy was always somebody that, that I looked up to and, and enjoyed, you know, watching ride and always thought was, you know, was like the guy, you know, and, um, and I spent some time with him when I was growing up riding and, and things like that. And another guy too was Jesse Casillas. Um, super fast, so smooth, so smooth, really good rider. Um, and then, you know, I, I spent a good time or a good bit of time in kind of that Homul area too with him and Cass Swift and some other guys, you know, and we all used to go ride, ride out in the hills out there. Yeah. And uh, so I got to know Jesse fairly well and his family and stuff. My dad would drop me off on his way to work and Jesse would take me out to the hills and, and torture me out there, you know, and turn yeah. tracks back there in Homul. So those are probably two guys that I, I really remember that, that stood out. That, you yeah. Know, that that were, you like kind of followed their, like, yeah. and your parents were like, Hey, yeah. go ride with them, follow them. Yeah. They're just good guys to, to look yeah. up to, you know? So did you feel like from the 619 area where you grew up and then, you know, I was more North County. So I rode like Barona and then Paris and yeah. up here. It was crazy how the rivalry between the San Diego tracks and then like the Inland Empire, like Paris and Star West. It was, yeah. it was pretty deep. Yeah. Yeah. And that was still going on. You know, that went on when I was growing up yeah. too. So we, we'd have guys come down for, for many nationals, let's say, you know, and then we were coming up this way doing dealer series, the Yamaha dealer series yep. stuff and GFIs. GFIs. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, racing at night at Star West and, and stuff like that. So, um, did you guys, your family make a big push to Loretta's world mini? And if you did, what age did you start going to them? So it was the first year I went to Loretta's was 99. So I was eight at the time. So I was racing the seven to nine 50 CC class. Uh, and that was the first year that we probably, from what I remember, we started going to some of the bigger races. So your world mini, um, we went to like, I remember going to like Branson one year, you That's know, Missouri, right. yep. um, we started doing the Texas rounds too, going to uh, how Lake you, Whitney. How, how did you do doing, during those races? Top five the, guys? The first year, no. I remember. So I remember I went to Loretta's in 99 on, on a 50, and I was 30-something. 
you know, like we just like we didn't know anything about it. My family didn't know anything about it. It was just We're like, hey, this is this is like, yeah, this is like the pinnacle and. <laughs> And we qualified, so we're going. That's and cool. So yeah, we're. I mean, we're in an extra cab truck. Me and my two brothers jammed back there doing schoolwork, towing a, a friend's trailer, you know, to haul stuff out there, and we just made it happen, you know. And so the next year, 2000, I went back, and I was the o- older in that age group now. So I'm mm. nine, um, and I ended up. That's the year that I won Loretta's. So within oh, one shit. year, I went from being a 30 place guy to winning Loretta's, and you I went quickly become a guy. Yeah, and so I went one, one, one. I won all three motos. I led every lap of all three motos, and like at the time, it was like a a record that was talked about or whatever. Like there's all these great guys that have obviously come through Loretta's with way more titles than I had, but. I led every single lap of all three motos. So. That's something you can hang your hat on, man. Yeah, so that was that was <clears throat> it was cool, and I, and you know I remember my my grandpa came out for the trip, and uh, you know I just all I remember is like coming off on the third moto, and I didn't really know what it was at the time. It was just like like hey, I just I, I won. Like and ignorant, you know? ignorance was bliss probably in yeah, that circumstance. Yeah, and and it was just like yeah, awesome. You know, I'm stoked. My grandpa's here. My parents are pumped. Like you know, and that and that's what I remember about it. So. Um, did you get, did you get some factory scouting? Did it start going down? Is that what, is that what happens when you're nine? Uh, you know, I, w- I don't remember a lot of it, you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, my, my dad was, um, you know, he did a really good job and just being, uh, a, a normal parent when it comes to racing, right? Like, you know, he wasn't a, a super aggressive person or out there burning bridges or in people's face that my kids, you know, the next great thing, we just mm-hmm. kind of did our thing and cool. we were fortunate to meet awesome people along the way and, uh, got to work with those people. And, and, you know, like when I fast forward to when I started riding and racing again, I was able to fall back on some of those relationships, which was awesome. Um, so I, I, I mean, we, we had some, they did some cool ads that Cobra did, you know, specifically after winning that. And, uh, and then we got help on, on going to 65s and, um, like when the KTM 65 first came out, when they, when that bike first came over here, I got to test that bike with Osborne. It was me and him and all the, oh, and wow. all the technicians from Austria came out and Raglan actually set that up at the time. So we got to know him through, you know, just mutual friends and stuff like that. So. Um, it's really cool. The six one nine has produced a lot of industry leaders and talent. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. There's so many fast guys that came out of there. So, uh, so I, I guess it, it to answer your question, it did get some more exposure to myself, and and I got you know some support. opened up to some some cool opportunities, and uh, yeah, and and uh, the you know I got to do some some super cool stuff. Like that KTM experience was something that like I'll I'll never forget. Yeah, you know, really it was like cool. we're riding like you know I'm a 10 11 12 year old kid and i'm riding a bike that no one's seen yet at tracks that aren't open with you know ktm haulers pulling in and unloading the thing and working on it you know so, so it was like a like the dream experience you know it was like that factory fill at at a young age which was uh, which was something I'll, I'll never forget it, so it's really cool that you can remember that um <clears throat> I, I remember doing 50 testing with uh um sean cantrell and, and Jet Reynolds, yeah. right? Like doing stuff for KTM. So it's like, it's cool to know that it, I never got to do that stuff. I did a dealer convention with Brock Glover on a PW, kind of dating myself, but I do remember a little bit of it. So that's neat that you can, you can reflect on that and understand. And you're, it's probably because your parents let you understand that this isn't normal. Right. And I think that's a, you know, something you can, your parents can hang their hat on and like, hey, you know, this is, this is not 
this is something we've invested in and you've earned and yeah. take yeah. this in. So that's really cool that you can uh, take away from that. Yeah. And I, you know, I've, I've been super fortunate with, with my family and our relationship and everything like that, where we are today. I mean, we see so often now in that, in this sport that we all love so much that things happen and relationships are, you know, don't always, don't always last, you know? Yeah, and, it is tough. Um, so I, I think, <clears throat> The, the biggest benefit of not only from, you know, from meeting the people that I know now and the relationships and things like that is that, I mean, we were just a, a tight family and we stayed tight, fortunately, you know, like that's what we did for vacation. We loaded up and we went racing, you know, my parents sacrificed everything to take us racing. And, uh, my middle brother was into it for, for a good bit, just like riding, you know, wasn't super competitive, but was a good rider. Yep. And, my younger brother just wanted to come and play in the dirt and drag his dog around on the leash and have yeah, fun, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so, so that's, that's, you know, that's what we did. And so when I think back on the amateur days, I mean, I'm, it, it, it's made me who I am today. You know, I wouldn't yeah. change any of that. And, um, and now, you know, my family and my brother, I mean, we talk every day, everybody's close and that's we all awesome, still, man. we all still live together, you know what I mean? And, and we get along. So I'm fortunate to, to be able to have raced at a high level right. and, and, uh, and still have, a really good relationship with my family and things like that. That's awesome, man. I think <clears throat> family is that you can't do it. It's not like a football or soccer where you can just get given a soccer ball or, or play apply for the high school football team right. and, and get given gear per se. Um, it takes a, a huge investment yeah. um, by family and for kids not to know, understand the and not appreciate the parents' investment or the parents expecting something in return at a later date is is very tough dynamic that our sport is – you know, we talk about, we see over and over of families splitting up or falling apart due to lack of results from the kid and the parent leveraged everything and they have resentment yep. or the parents, you know, just resenting the child because they made it and then they want something from return. It's like, I, you don't see here a parents like, Hey, I invested in your college tuition. You're now a high level lawyer. Right. Now, yeah. Now you need to pay me back for the education. I think it's something that. Um, most kids don't, I heard Adam Cincerella say something and I love, I'm a big fan of Adam, but I heard him in an interview or read it that he said, all I wanted to do when I was young was race. And I would challenge that because he just wanted to ride. He didn't know what racing was. The a parent showed him what a race was. Right. Okay. Once you learned what a race was, you were, you loved the 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 racing aspect but a parent took their horse which is the kid and took him racing yeah they exposed them to it they exposed them to it so all you wanted to do you did, your first time riding wasn't racing typically it was right. riding so as a parent and you know i have a nine and a seven year old mason loves to ride he races sometimes he doesn't yeah. ask to race i like going to the races i don't I'm completely against it there are other places i'd rather go but i mean going back to adam it's like he learned to love to race because he was phenomenally good and it was fun. And the and the parent is encouraging this, right? Encouraging it and to resent, to, to put that pressure on your son of winning because you want your horse per se to win yeah. is a lot of pressure for a young kid and it can take yeah. the fun out of it. Yeah, right? absolutely. And yeah. so so on that note, you had a very, you ran Loretta's, you moved to 65, you're testing KTMs. I remember seeing you, uh, you know, this was a motor world at El Cajon was on a rise. You're on the Yamaha 85. Thor gear, right? No, I was no fear guy. No fear guy. That's yeah. right. I apologize. Yeah. No, so, and, and on 85. 103? Yeah, 103. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I did 
it was more it was actually ncy at the time on 85s wow was I, who okay. i was like doing my parts deal and things through uh for a shop so when i went from 65s to 85s i had a, a factory yamaha deal and so we were getting bikes and you know bikes showing up in crates and the whole deal and i got so four insane. or five different bikes super mini stock mod the whole thing you know and that was like that's when it was like real right so you're getting to that point where you're 14 15 years old and the next step is is b class at the time right and getting on a big bike and then it's fast track to a class and then it's we're going supercross racing and so i remember um it was i don't remember years and things like that but i do remember i was it was probably my last year that I was going to ride the 85 and, and super mini. And it had been a, just a tough year. I remember I broke my wrist and got healed up. And the first day I rode again, I crashed and I broke my other wrist. Oh my God. And I was just like, like, you know, you just, you're, you're young at the time and you have, you know, I had other friends too that, that didn't race just from where I grew up that I would hang out with the played sports and stuff. And like, I'm always the kid that's in a cast, right. You know, and it starts to wear on you, you know, mm, there's getting to go to the beach. And yeah. Like, surf. you know, you just kind of, you, you're getting older and you starting to understand things more. So you question things or, or maybe read into things a little bit different than you used to when you were younger. Uh, and so I remember going to Ponca city the last year and I was just going to race the two super mini classes at the time at Ponca and then at Loretta's and like, I don't remember if it was practice or one of the first race, but I crashed at Ponca and I broke my hand. And so I had, I was like, if I'm going to get any kind of help, I have to race Loretta. Like I have to go. I can't just not like, I have to figure something out. So we still went to the race and I, and I raced with a broken hand and I was like a eighth, ninth, 10th guy. It wasn't good. It was like a, it was a, you know, a letdown in my opinion, yeah, looking yeah. back on it. And I remember, you know, just the toll it kind of took on everybody, like, you know, my family and things like that. And I'm upset and they're upset. And, uh, and so when we came back from that race, um, I got a, I had a 125 and I, I rode it a couple of times and I was just, I, I, I was over it, you know, like, and that's the easiest way to put it. Wow. I was just, uh, and I started to realize going to the races, like seeing, our pit setup in comparison to other people's pits. Like I understood where my family and parents were at financially and the burden that it was for them to try and support what I was trying to do for, for the amount of time that they had. And I was, my heart wasn't in it anymore. I didn't want to do it. So I wasn't going to just keep stringing it along. So I said, I'm, I'm done. Like it was like a, a decision I made instantly. And was that hard? Do you remember being your dad, mom, like, whoa, or they relieved almost? No, I think, um, you know, me and my dad, we, I mean, we can laugh and, and talk about it now, but at the time I took it like he was upset and mad at me. And I think it was more so he saw maybe the opportunity and the ability that I had on a bike and was upset that I was going to walk away from what potentially could have been as opposed to just being mad about the money he spent and things like that. So, uh, and I, you know, realized that as I got older that, um, you know, cause I've been, you know, I've been on two wheels my whole life and I, I do have ability on two wheels, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'm fortunate to always have been around sports that, that I was good at and, and, you know, could, uh, could continue to improve and, and thrive. And so, um, so I think that that's where, when we talk about, 
parents being upset. Uh, it was more so that I was potentially, you know, walking away for a throwing away a, a good opportunity. And you can't say it would have been good or bad. Could have got her, could have done whatever's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, you never, yeah. you don't know. So but, let me ask you this. So like, I have this thing is, and it's called, um, like you get out what you put in, right? That yep. theory, right? Yeah. So you, you, you're obviously very intuitive, very aware of like your surroundings. Like you're at 14, 15, you're looking at other pits and kids bikes and probably their engine sticker and like i was very much the same way yeah i think like you talk about lano one of my best friends best man at my wedding and he was he did not even didn't even know about that shit yeah ignorance yeah. like ignorance and uh, was bliss to him like being in engaged in the process can almost hurt you too much right yeah. like yeah. Uh, kieran naren one young ripper he, he made it to like the same level you made it and was like, I'm done because he was needed the kit stuff, needed this. And it's like, if you really, I don't know if you need it or not, but if, if you're going to the line feeling. You're already de defeated, de defeated over it. It's yeah. not doing that, you know, and it's, that creates, it's, it's cause you're, cause you're intelligent. Yeah. Cause you really do know, like if we're apples to apples, that stuff's better. Yeah. Where yeah. Billy would will himself, like his dad used wood screws holding down his front number plate into his fender, right? Like he didn't care. He just yeah. like, you're stinking kid. You just gotta ride it. Yeah, like that's what his dad would say, and he would ride it. But I always noticed. I mean, I remember you know, Schmokes were a good family friend of yours, yep. and your bikes were always so sick looking. Like oh, Schmokes yeah. owned custom decal. Your dad had your bikes. They weren't flashy. They just were so clean. Yep. Pre-printed numbers. Like I, I don't know why. I just always remember like yep. seeing your bikes like that. And um, you know, then I, you kind of vapored, like you said, like you just went away. And I was yeah. turning pro about right around then, and I was at El Cajon watching you coming through racing going to Elko and motocross track and Barona. And then, you know, our crew was aware of the young Groms coming up because everyone was pretty tight and then you, you weren't there no more. So then all of a sudden you're coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, when did you make your return and, and what led to that decision? Yeah. So like I, my, my mentality changed a lot when I decided to come back racing. So like those last couple of years that I was doing it, you know, like, I rode a lot, but it wasn't like, a, you know, I didn't have a trainer and I didn't, you know, you're seeing these kids now that are 12, 13, 14 years old that are going to the gym and have coaches, you know, like I didn't have that stuff. We just rode a lot. Mm -hmm. That's what we did. Um, and then, you know, like what you're talking about with, with my bikes and things like that, you know, I always had really good equipment. My dad, that was a priority for my dad and, and we didn't do anything flashy. We just, we, he was able to kind of understand what was important to go out and compete and that's having a good, reliable motor and reliable parts and everything else is just not to be worried about. Dude, you know? I, I remember like yeah. they were, they were like, uh, like how I would do my bike or my kid's bike. And he's like, he's such a good, was such a good mechanic, still is a good yeah, mechanic. So like, like, you know, he, he hasn't worked on a four stroke in, you know, five, six, seven years, but he'll tear that thing right down. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. he's just Sick. mechanically, he's, he's very skilled. So that's cool. I always had, had really good equipment, reliable equipment. Um, but so, you know, I, I went away from racing like completely. Like I, like I said, I was done and, um, and then, you know, talking about my dad a little bit again, it's like, you don't, you, you don't realize until you get older, but you know, he was the guy that was communicating with, with the guys at Yamaha and, and the guys at no fear and spy and all these sponsors that I had that I now have to tell them like, oh, he's not riding anymore. Like, you know, I, you know, so there was a lot of things that, you know, I'm sure he had to deal with that weren't very pleasant that I understand more as I've, you know, gotten older. Um, Cause they've invested in you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We know now it's in your role at Maxima racing oils. It's like, 
you would be like happy for the family to make that call to you. Like I wish yeah. you the best. You don't yeah. like, but, but and when you're in that world, your yep. dad's world, it's really uncomfortable. Like they're never going to help us again. I know. Like, do you like, know what we're walking we're, away we're, from? We're, you know, but like but at that moment in your own bubble, yeah. like you think you're giving it all away. Yeah. Right. And, and like I said, now in your role at maximum racing, world, I was like, you're going to tell them, Hey, we're, if you're if you're supporting a rider and a family at that level, you have an invested interest in them, whether it's yep. the product and emotional. And all you want is, and especially Maxima, being a family-owned business, you want the best for the the, the family. Yep. So you want Trevor Reese, the fourteen-year-old shredder, that's not happy to be happy. Right. Right. And then, and that's one hundred percent correct. But uh. So you 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 you, you, you your dad's making these tough calls and decisions and. What do you do for how long do you take the break and what do you do in that interim time as a young man? Yeah, so I was, I, I wouldn't say it was like 15, 16, like right yeah. before I got my driver's license. And uh, so I had done like, you know, I did the homeschool thing through junior high and just because we were traveling yeah. and chasing, you know, it's just what you did. And so I went back to regular high school, you know, went to a local school where I, where I grew up and um, played some sports. That's like, you know, I hadn't played sports since I was a little kid, like, you know, stick and ball sports since I was a little kid. So played football a little bit, some baseball, and, like, it wasn't, you know, any you know, very good at it, but it was something to do, you know, yeah. and, like, all my friends that I went to school with that had nothing to do with motocross, you know, they all played sports, so it was a way for me to hang out with them after school, so I did some different things like that, and um, I remember my senior year, I ended up getting a, a used bike, just a Cowie, like, bought it from, like, you know, the auction, like, yep. someone, I think RP Racing actually had the bike, they got okay. it from the auction, Ended up getting the bike from them and just just started riding a little bit for fun, like old gear, old everything. And like I, I remember going to Barona and riding and like having fun. And I'd go ride at the desert and then, uh, but I would I, it wasn't consistent, you know. It was like hit and miss and like yeah, I had fun and then and yeah, whatever, you know. And so I started working too. My like I would work summers doing. Uh, there was a gym in Alpine where uh, my mom worked and there was guys that did detailing outside the gym. So they had like a tent set up and, and so they'd put me to work during summer. So she'd drive me down there and I'd work there and, and then they started getting a couple trucks and doing mobile detailing. And so when I got out of high school, I was doing that full time. So I had like my own truck, my own rig and just Sick. would drive around and, and hustle and, and make money washing cars. And uh, we ended up getting a deal through mothers, like the wax and, and yep. polish company for, uh, all the Barrett Jackson car shows. So like wow. I'm like 18, 19 years old and mothers is flying me and three other guys to all the shows to detail no. cars at the shows. And That's like, a big deal. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So I was like, I'm like, see, you know, my parents like, what, where, what is happening? You know, this like is, we need to talk to somebody like, where are you going? You know, like sick. my, my own hotel, like the whole, you know, like I so, had no idea. That's yeah. So right. I got like fast tracked into traveling a little bit for, for a company when I was young, which was obviously super beneficial for what I do now. Yeah. Uh, so I did that. And then, uh, I, it was probably, I want to say it was probably like 19 and I was surfing and I had tore one of my knees up super bad when I was a kid. I tore my ACL, my meniscus, everything when I was like 11. And so I hadn't had it fixed and I was surfing with some friends and went to stand up and just folded the thing under myself. And like, I'm like, oh, it, it was done. So I had to have knee surgery and I had knee surgery and during, um, physical therapy and stuff like that, I started getting more into like working out and stuff. Like I, I, I didn't, I wasn't into it, you know, at the time. And, uh, 
I just would ride my bicycle or screw around, but I didn't go to the gym. I didn't take it serious. So like through physical therapy, I started learning more and got into the gym more and then started doing not just physical therapy, but doing some upper body stuff too. And and actually going to the gym consistently and started getting in in better shape. And uh, I felt like riding. So I I went and got a bike again from Motorworld this time. Okay. Just the 250 and started riding and um, just play riding a little bit. I think I raced a couple just local races. Uh, and I think it was 2010 and that's when I tried to qualify for Loretta's again. So I got, I was riding 450 and, oh, well, I actually I'll back up after I had knee surgery. I had been washing the employees' cars at Motorworld when I was doing the mobile detail thing. So I was in there talking to them like, hey, I'm going to have knee surgery. I'm going to be down for a little while. I'm kind of trying to figure out what I'm going to do for work. And they're like, well, if you want to come sell bikes, you can come sell bikes. And I'm like, okay. So, I I mean, I was in there crutching around selling bikes, you know, like I'm going to do something. So that's where, like, my relationship with – I always knew those guys. Yeah, yeah. We were always close, but I I had rode for different different dealers and things. And so that's when I really got to know them, Brian and, and Glenn down there and uh, so, so now I'm around dirt bikes every day, you know, and I'm kind of looking at the newer bikes and like, man, you know, like that kind of starts driving me want to ride again and I'm, you know, getting in shape again. And so I start riding and, and I remember I, uh, I had a, a bike that I think it was, I don't know. I had, I think it was another used Yamaha that I had got and it had a ton of hours on it. The thing was pretty clapped out. And I went to the first qualifier and I think it was at it might've been at Glen Helen and I like got through the first one in the, I raced a, so 450 a, and then open pro sport. So I made it like through the first two and then we were getting ready. I'm like training and riding in between working and we were going to go to Arizona cycle park for, I think it's the area regional. Regional. Yeah. So the top five one and my bike blows up like the week before we're going to go. No way. Yeah. And I'm like scrambling, you know, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do this and that. So Motorworld ends up loaning me a bike. They're like, Brian's like, I'm not going to let you miss it. Like, yeah, I I showed up to work. Yeah. And, and told him what happened. And I was like, Hey, I just need some help on parts, you know, to get this thing fixed. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, we'll, we'll figure it out. And I remember coming into work the next day and there was a bike like on a triangle stand out front. And he was like, just go ahead and use that. And I was like, dude, like it was insane. And so go and qualify so you, you qualified? Yeah, I made it. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yes, I yeah. had to screw this up. Yep. So like so we, we planned like a guy's trip. It's <laughs> me, my dad, and my two brothers. And we road trip it out there. We actually drove the same Maxima van that I have outside That's right really, now. Like yeah, yeah. they let us take the van. So we go back there and, and just had like the funnest trip ever. But I think I got like a – it was the year Bogle like just cleaned up there. Yeah, when he was on Geico. Yeah, but I was like – I think I got like seventh and eighth in the two pro classes. And That's like dope. I just started riding and just showed up basically. So how was that emotion for your mom and dad and even your brothers <clears throat> like when you want to get back in it? Is it like, fuck, we, we don't know if we want to spend a lot of money in this, but like hell yeah, you, were, they, were they just excited as you? Yeah, I think they – like my dad – they did everything they could do, you know, and like my, my dad had, you know, has his own business and, and, you know, a family that he's providing for too. So it wasn't like, Hey, we're just going to completely reinvest. So we, we found it like a good happy medium. Like I'm working and I'm paying for what I can and, and funding going to the track during the week and parts. And if I need a pipe or a set of wheels or something, my dad's helping me do that. And then he's, you know, paying for us to go take the trip to Loretta's and entry fees and stuff. So he was still very active, but did they, you know, Leverage the house. Mortgage no. the house? No. So, uh, I which I wouldn't this, have yeah. wanted them to. Y- y- yeah, you know? yeah. So, so you guys found that common ground of investment. Exactly. Like you were investing, 
you were actually getting more. I mean, you're, everyone involved in your program was getting more out of what they put in because your yeah. talent, your talent and drive, like yeah. the in number result. Yeah, but like, I might like, like you're Ethan Bogle, who is full time Raider training facility, and he's earned it. And of course, Geico, of course. And then you're running within two seconds of him. Meanwhile, you're washing cars, selling dirt bikes, yeah. And your dad's running a business, and you guys are having arguably more fun on the way down there. Yeah. Than yeah. than yeah, the guy we, that's in second. We had yeah. A, yeah we had a great time. Like we still talk about that trip all the that's time. That's sweet. It was awesome. Fishing you know? probably tons of fishing. Oh yeah yeah you had to fish. Right? Like, <laughs> we're always fishing looking I, for something. Well I'm always fishing. You're catching. And yeah. I was just like yeah. yeah you guys the, the Reese family catches I fish. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's rad. So then dude then I see Supercross like ramps. Yeah. So you get through Loretta's. Yeah. So I raced Loretta's and then um, there was like kind of like a. I don't know. It, it took me another year and two years almost to get to Supercross, and so I I raced a couple nationals. Like I just jumped into a couple nationals. And then I was just chasing money races. So there was like the pro ams at the time where you could get your pro points, yep. and they actually they would get a lot of riders, and it yep. would be like Comp Edge, Arizona Cycle Park, Kawia, like. Ah. And so I just started. Where I was working, and I would race those, and like you you know you show up and you win and make a few thousand bucks on the weekend. Sick. And so I got my points and then I raced a couple nationals in 2012. And I remember I went to Elsinore and I was going to race 450 there. And I had a mechanical, like I, I broke a brake lever off in the qualifier and I ended up not making it because it was like right away. And like, we're scrambling to find one and didn't have a spare one. Just like the typical stuff that you unfortunately have to uh, deal with sometimes. Yeah. So, and after that, I was kind of like, well, you know, I, I don't, I don't have a whole lot going on. Like I, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, um, I ended up working something out with motor world and, uh, another guy that had helped me out with some, some entry fees and, and some things like that to get to the races. And then, um, uh, Bobby, you know, Bobby, Bobby Young's yep. is a good buddy of mine. And I just met him from growing up racing around locally and, and he offered to, to wrench for me, which was awesome. And so we kind of put this little program together through motor world. So they gave me two bikes to use and we got some bikes built and Matt, obviously Maxima was a big part yeah. of it. And so 13 was the first year that I raced supercross and I made the main at the second round. So I, I just showed up and then like went to Phoenix and it's like, you know, it's Roxon, it's Eli, it's Dov, like guys that are just, you know, still established. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so I made the main at the second round. Uh, and then I ended up, I don't know. I made a few mains that year and banged myself up at one round, like dislocated my thumb and stuff. And, uh, but it was good. Like I was like, okay, I, I accomplished that. Like I remember going to Anaheim one and being like, I just want to make the night show. And then I made the night show, you know, fairly, you know, I was 20, you know, high teens, nice. but you know, I'm like, you know, I made it. That's what, that was my goal. And then to be in the main was super cool just to line up with those guys and, and be a part of that was like, you know, like, well, that's what I wanted to accomplish. Yeah, I've yeah. done that. And, uh, so I, I did, I raced the couple of local outdoors that year, the ones that it was like Glen Helen and Hangtown. I we think. pitted next to each other. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I moonlighted, came back, and yeah. I remember we came back and yeah. I, we raced each other. Did you? I, I think I raced. I think I raced lights. You raced lights. That's yeah. right. You're in Yamaha. Yeah. In the same Maxima van. Yeah. Yep. In the same Maxima yeah, yeah, yeah. van. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. it was me and my buddy Diorio. Yeah. That we were there, and I hurt my knee. My ankles. I was doing two classes, I think, at the time. And yeah. anyhow, yeah, that Ugh. that I remember seeing you that was with your dad. Yeah, that's what was cool. Your yeah. dad was your mechanic. Yeah, and like I was kind of like, this is cool, like simple. Yeah, well, that's like, that's like we we just kept it very simple. Like that's we rad. we we weren't caught up in any of the the things that you see so many people caught yep. up with, you know. So, um, 
And then, uh, so after it was 2014, I remember, no, it was the end of 13. I raced Monster Cup on a 450. And we came home from there, and I was just riding Paula, uh, just riding outdoors. And I ended up pushing the front end, like, in this super high-speed turn. And the bike, like, I mean, the front end went over the berm. The bike stopped, and I went forward, and I tore my other ACL. And I just remember hearing the thing pop, you know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, like, I knew I did it right away. Yep. So I had, so I, I, I missed Supercross in 14. So I, I p- pretty much sat everything out that year. I mean, I, I got back riding and then chased some money races and then uh, did some nationals at the end of that year because I was healthy then and then kind of just started rebuilding for 15. And I ended up getting approached to do this deal uh, from some guys locally and it was like a Suzuki deal and it, it was a turned into a disaster just a difference of opinions and things and so I it was like you know a month before the season was supposed to start and I had got burned on some money on some deals I had signed and um, I, I had nothing you know like I was fit I'd been riding like hey, I remember following you on, well I still follow you but I remember watching your social platform and seeing your gym stuff for your rehab yeah you were shredded yeah. like you were you were like on a mission doing your rehab for your knee yeah because like I started you know I started realizing the things that I could control the older I got and it's like well I can be, I I need to be fit and that's something that I can control, you know, and, and my bike, I need to have whatever equipment's available to me. It needs to be a certain standard. Exactly. I need to make it the best of it. And so those are things that I started focusing on and really understanding the bike and how to test and how to improve, you know, the bike and learning supercross. I mean, from where I started on a suspension setting to where I've end, you know, where I ended, it's like, like you'd bolt the stuff on and think it was broke at the time, you know, when I was getting towards the end of racing, cause it was so stiff. You yep. know? So you start to learn, you learn so much, but, uh, so I, I go back to motor world and say, Hey, like I, I'm, I've, I've improved a lot. Like Help. I think, yeah. And I'm like, Help. can we do it again? Yeah. You know? And they're like, no problem. So yes. in, like, you know, I was, I was so lucky to have, to have good people like that, that, that would help me out. So same thing. They give me a couple bikes um, JGR did my motors and that was a relationship through Maxima cause they were sponsored by pro filter at the time. Wow. So Danny was, was supporting them with filters and they were building my motor. So that was like a huge step up for me. Like I'm talking to, to J bone and, and Bundy at the time who was building them, like working with these guys overnight and stuff, trying different stuff. Like, so I started getting some, some pretty, good what was equipment. to me? Yeah. Really good equipment. And, uh, 15 was a good year. I think I, I think I only missed maybe one main event, won some LCQs. Like I was a main event guy every weekend. Um, and, and yeah, so, and that was like, finally like, okay, like I'm, I'm racing these guys now. Like I'm not just here. Right. You're not part of the the show, you know? And that was never my goal. Like I, my, I told myself like, I'm getting back into it. It's, I'm, I'm working my ass off just to get to the race. And cause that's what I want to do. And if I'm, get to a point where I'm not progressing or don't feel like I can get any better then I'm okay with that. And I'm going to be done because there's, you know, the risk involved and, yep. you know, like I see so many guys now and I don't want to talk bad about guys. I mean, people, I mean, I respect, you know, that they, they enjoy racing. They want to do it. But I mean, there's just guys that it's like, man, like you, you've got to see the writing on the wall. Like, you know, like it, you gotta, know. It, you know, it, they it, just, they just show hard. up every year and they, and they're almost getting worse, you know? And yeah. It's, like, it's, it's hard, you know, uh, Killy Rusk was pretty vocal about it. I think on Instagram or Twitter about guys like not doing like just rolling around or whatever. Yeah. And, and I remember at a time that I was too, and, and I'll actually call it out like Andy Backen. 
he was like the younger guy of our crew, like Morris, Logan Derry, and you know, we had like a pretty dynamic crew of guys that trained really hard. And he had an injury or something, I think, and he just stopped like progressing, but his dad still was doing it. Mm -hmm. And we, I think, and I'd be like, man, why is he even doing this? And yeah. now that I, like, years after that, and I, you know, he's a friend. Yeah. I look back, I'm like, because he loves it, and his dad loves it, and, and he's not complaining about it. And it's, if, if he's not selling me goods, if he's not lying and selling me goods, then, then I have no voice and telling him what he should or shouldn't do with their money yeah. if he's not selling me that he's better than he was or in and andy didn't andy never sold himself he just him and ac and his parents loved very similar to your story you never sold anyone you can of goods he he just loved to do it so yeah you know the guys that are telling us on instagram you know their weekly race reports that are oh, unfortunate luck this time no it's unfortunate luck it's called lack of preparation yeah you always prepared andy always prepared but when you're in the moment it's hard to watch guys that are like continue to do it and continue to do it if they're just being honest like hey my parents are rich and i like to ride totally and right? i would respect it yeah, even yeah, yeah. more right you know? like, like, like i love to just ride it and hang out yeah and, but if you're telling me you're training harder than you ever have and your your bikes are better than they ever have and you're not investing in it then i, yeah. I don't have time for that yeah and like going back to what you're saying like uh you know like uh, the bad luck conversation oh. was one that we always oh like oh, we just can't get a start and like you know thanks <laughs> don't like, smoke you don't. Know, <laughs> Sorry, we love Dylan, but gosh, uh, I Dylan, wasn't, I Dylan, wasn't, those bad I wasn't going those, there. that excuse box, I told him one day, Dylan, there's an, the, 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 the race report doesn't come with an excuse box. Oh. <laughs> oh, I, lo I love Dylan. I spent a lot of time with, with Dylan growing up racing. But, uh, no, because me, and, me and, and Bobby, my mechanic, we used to talk about it, you know, because everybody in Supercross is always, they, they, they blame it on something else, right? Like, oh, it's their equipment, or they got a bad start, or they fell, and it's like, well... There's things that add up to that. So like bad luck, bad luck is one thing, but like if you showed up and you weren't prepared and you qualified bad, which now gives you a bad gate pick, so you're all the way on the outside and you go down in the first turn, well, there was steps to get to that point that could have been avoided. If you showed up and you were prepared and you were fit and you qualified better, well, now you have a different gate pick. Maybe you're farther inside, so you get a better start. You give yourself a better opportunity to make the main and have a good night. What bad luck is is when I think Vince Freeze's mechanic might have put SC1 on his grips <laughs> last night. <laughs> Did you see him just let that thing and, go? And Brayton and Ferrandis almost say, that's bad luck yeah. for them. Exactly, exactly. Okay, There's nothing bad. they can do about that. <laughs> But you can control being slow. Yes, yes, <laughs> or not. But yeah. yes. So yeah. So, but so just yeah, just touching because you know because I'm just like like you you need to take a step back and and that's something that I that I realized when I came back to the sport. Like I just had a different outlook. On mm -hmm, it. I have a mm -hmm. different even now. Like when I occasionally ride and things, like I I see things different. I understand the track differently in a better way probably like yeah. there's just i don't you know it just comes with with slower. experience it's obviously. slower in your eyes as far as like the process yeah yeah you're taking it in more and like you said before you don't really like you don't like to ride as much as you used to because you want your bike set up for you yeah right and yeah you, and you just had some okay so before we get into that um so yeah you had a great year in 15 right yeah yeah so it was a good year uh i got a two-digit number for the next year and I had some opportunities to, to jump onto, we'll say, a satellite-type team. Yep. Um, and they just didn't make sense for 
for me. So like I like I said, I, I was fortunate to start getting aligned with good people and my equipment was improving and I had a good thing going on. It was still it was still hard to do financially, obviously, but I felt like I could do better on my bike and my equipment. And so some of these deals were like, Hey, we want you on the team, but we just have a race bike for you, so you need to bring your practice bike and ride that. So there was all Smoke these and weird, mirrors. There was all these weird things, and I'm like, you know, I was never like, oh, I just want to be in a semi just to say I'm in a semi. Like I'm not here to look cool. Like we show up in a beater van and throw an easy up up, and like I'm in the main event. Like that's what I'm here to do. I'm here mm-hmm. to race. So I, like I said, I was prioritizing things that made sense to me and what I wanted to accomplish. And Isn't so, it funny those people like thought you were probably arrogant and didn't want help, right? Like, yeah, they were. Because they're like, how dare you not want a free bike from me and, and $5,000 a year, right? Yeah. Like It's like, they, it's insane. Yeah, it, it just didn't, like I said, I was trying to get to that next step. And, and so I felt like the program that I had put together and what we had developed with my own bikes was a better platform for me to go do good. And it ended up, I mean it ended up being that way, you know, like I, 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 so I, I do my own deal again for 16. Um, and same thing. I had a, I had a really good year. I, I, um, you know, had some unfortunate things just with other riders and people crashing in front of me yep. and just weird stuff that, that, like you're saying is kind of bad luck things yeah, you yeah. can't avoid. Like Hampshire is going through right now. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so, um, uh, after 16, I, was going to ride for, I had got to the point where I kind of needed to do something if I was going to keep going, you know, like I was doing all kinds of things to make money. Like I was doing meal prep service, like before it was even a thing. Like I would set up like the white foldout tables in my Such kitchen entrepreneur, yeah, and had like fortunately, like through my mom's clients at the gym, like they all wanted meals and like I would cook all my own food. So I was decent at it. And I like made a menu like in Excel <laughs> and was like, Hey, here's what I can make That's you. Insane. And like every Monday I'd make like, uh, too like too many meals like let's say you know 100 to 200 meals at eight bucks a piece and that was my money to go ride the rest of the week you know supercross is 65 bucks a day i live in east county i gotta drive an hour and a half one way like it wasn't when i think back on it it was it was pretty gnarly like what the day-to-day was like for me you know Dude. and 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 I, i've talked about it a little bit before like in understanding what's important and for me, it was like, well, I, I don't have time to go ride, and then I come home, and then I get to go to the gym, yep. and then I get to go see my trainer who's going to massage me and go to cryotherapy. Like, I, those were – it just wasn't realistic that's for diff- me. That's a different language. Yeah, so when I went to the track, I, I did laps. Like, there's not a person you could ask today that saw me at the track that would tell you that I didn't put the time in at the track. Like, I when I was at the track, I took full advantage of my days at the track. So, mm-hmm. So that's what – like when I'm talking with people now or like younger kids is it's like you, you have to understand what's important. Like you can be the fittest guy on the bicycle, but you ain't racing a bicycle. You're racing your dirt bike. So you need to prioritize your time to yes. getting better on your dirt bike. And that comes with riding your dirt yes. bike. Um, people aren't, you don't get cash payouts for your Strava chaos. Right. Right. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, so the end of 16, I ended up signing a deal with, with Ryan Clark and he had started, uh, what's team solitaire Solitaire, yeah you know was his he ran a team back that you know when he was racing and um they they had reached out to me and we had gone back and forth and i went out to phoenix and rode the bike and and what i liked about ryan is that he understood what was important too like yeah he was good yeah so like he he knew that okay yeah we have a semi and we need to have a presence and things but i'm gonna spend money on the motor and the suspension and i and that's what 
kind of drew me to that was like, okay, he gets it. Like, I don't need a banner of my picture, you know, hung up in front of the semi and all this other stuff that you see, which I, I mean, maybe it's in contracts and they're required to do it, but I mean, we're spending $5,000 in POP stuff. Like, let's put that into the bike, you know? And so those were things that he recognized. And so, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't get too far along before I unfortunately got hurt, but uh, I think it would have been a would have been a good situation. And me and Ryan are still still super close now. We we sponsor his team. You know that's through. really cool. So Ryan was a, uh, you know he's a good guy. That's and, a good. That's a good. That was a good experience for you. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So like I think you know I, I was bummed that we didn't actually get to go racing, um, but you know that was kind of the way things worked you out. And basically they, destroyed your ankle, right? Yeah. So we were we were just practicing at Milestone. And I mean, you know how it is during the week. There's no flaggers on the supercross track and stuff. That's just what it's become, and that's what we get used to. And hopefully, a mechanic or someone out there runs out fast enough to to wave you down. But uh, was jumping down one of the rhythm lanes, and there was a triple right out of the turn. And guy in front of me just framed the thing and was just like laying on the landing. So I come out of the turn, and you know, you've got 50 feet from the turn. You know, so yeah, I'm in a moto. Like I'm just not. You're not thinking about it. So I come out of the turn, and and I look up. And at the last minute, I see somebody running and waving their hands. And so I tried to check up. And so I basically just drug the brake, like, off the face of the thing, like, trying to, like, maybe I can slow down to double. I don't know what's going on. It's just your your natural reaction. Like, I need to slow down. So I'm, like, endoing into the back of the third landing, basically. So I jump off the, the bike, and I land on my feet and just, I mean. Exploded your ankle. Exploded, yeah. I mean, I, I basically put my, my tibia went through the bottom of my foot. Like, I flattened my heel. And, and I retore my left ACL and, and MCL too. I basically, I mean, I land on my feet and just, ugh. And, and I knew, I mean, you know, right away, you know what I mean? Like, and, and so that was, that was, was the, the, end of the that racing. was the end. Yeah. That's uh, unfortunate. I, I know. Um, and, and I don't want to speculate or whatever, but we, we became, as you were getting more involved with Maxima, I mean, been friends with that team down there since I was 13, my first sponsor. Yeah. And, I could tell at first there was a little resentment because you didn't make the mistake, right? Like you, yeah. you like, like not, you weren't bitter, but you were bitter. Like, yeah, I would, you know, cause you're always like, well, I'm not bitter, but I was absolutely bitter. Yeah. And, you, know, and, like, and you weren't negative towards me or anything, but I could just tell. And I felt really bad because, you know, my situation when I was still riding a lot, you know, yeah. testing for KTM yeah. and people don't know, like I didn't care. KTM didn't care how I raced. Like that was not even in my, but when you're, when you're 22, 23, you see this old shit had me out there racing nationally. I'm getting 25th. Like why is KTM pay him? And he's, and and it's like, I could tell like now you're working at Maxima and you, now you're in charge, you're in charge of rider support and pro filter. And you're having to support people that you aren't know, aren't putting a hundred percent in and whether it's 30 off or two filters. And it's like, we were having good candid conversations and, and I could just feel like I felt so bad for you. Like, dude, he didn't get the right his story. Wasn't written the way he wanted at that moment. Like yeah. we're on page a hundred of Trevor's story and it's a dark couple, dark couple chapters. Yeah. Right. And it, and it was, it was, you know, I, I think that, um, now was probably, I have to look at it as a positive, you know, it, it, I never thought when I was getting back into racing, my, my mentality wasn't like, well, I'm, I'm going to be a champion and I'm going to retire from racing and never work again. I knew at some point I was going to have to get a job, whether that was sooner or later. So, uh, so I look at it as, as a positive now because I'm in an, an, a great position where I'm at with Maxima. Yep. Um, so it kind of, it kind of fast tracked me to that. 
Yeah, it, it um, kind of it forced you into making a decision. Exactly. A life changing, a, a life changing moment changed your had to make you pivot. Yep. We talked about the yep. day on bicycles pivoting. Yeah. You could have sat in the mud puddle, or on the back of that landing. Yeah. Or you could have sat there in your head and just woe is me, got addicted to pills. Yeah. You could have gone a bunch of different avenues, right? You could have gone back to washing cars. Yep. But luckily, because of relationships uh-huh. that you've built since you and your dad and mom have and your brothers and everyone's curated over a now 12-year period of time of racing dirt bikes and being a family, Danny Massey, the president and CEO of Maxima, is like Trevor kind of for, like literally grabs you by the back of the head and goes, you're coming to work for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and that's, and that's kind of how it had went down. You know, we had like <laughs> talked – you know, like while I was still racing, because yeah. I would go check in with those guys and visit those guys yep. and come pick the van up to take it to a race and stuff. So, and you know, I, I'm emotionally attached to Maxima, you know, like we talk about, it's a family. Like yeah. I have, I've been around Maxima since I was seven years old, you know, like I met, so Dick Lachine, the original owner, Ronnie's dad, mm-hmm. he lived in Pine Valley, just up the street from me. And so my, my dad had, I don't, I don't know the whole story, but anyways, I ended up, my dad drove me up to his house to meet him, you know? And so we talked and then Dick goes back to Maxima and Danny was actually doing rider support at the time. And Dick was like, Hey, I got this kid up, you know, lives up by me. I think we should help him out. And that's how I got to know all those guys. That's pretty insane. And so like there was summers when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old that, uh, my dad would drop me off and I'd go work on the line in Maxima, you know, with the guys out back. Like, Hell yeah. so I've been around the company a, a long, long time. That is really cool. And so the guys that still run the production line, like they're, they've been there 30 years. And so like, they remember me, like the little kid that used to come work with them. So like, and they're still there every day. So like, there's, there's a lot of ties to Maxima and myself that people don't know about. Um, so you are family there. Yeah. Like I said, you know, so I, I've just been. I've always been around the brand. I believe in the brand. Obviously, that's the only brand I've used since I was seven years old. Uh, so it's it's easy for me to, uh, you know, work there and sell product and, and yeah, be yeah. proud about the products that we make. That's so. really cool. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, we we reconnect. You know, I was a longtime KTM guy and would sneak my Maxima stuff in, and then we start talking business and. I, to see your growth, I talk, we, we talked about it a little bit today, riding bikes in between just having a blast, ripping down some trails, about like pivoting and professionally and, and, and understanding. And I asked you if like, hey, how much did Danny mentor you, the, you know, the new owner and CEO? And, yep. and Danny's a great guy. And he came from like, it's on the bottom there almost yeah, as well. He, yeah, right? he was His the sister same kind was of the receptionist. Yeah, and she, she still, so works, that, she still works there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, Teresa, Tim, everybody. Yeah, yeah. so it's like, it's such a family-oriented business. And, I'm, and you're like, you know, you, you told me that, you know, I just soaked it in. It wasn't yeah. really a directed a directed model. There wasn't a model, but it was like they saw something in you. Yeah. So like going back to, to talking about pivoting, like I literally went from in December of 2016 to signing a deal with that team and having some um, good contingency lined up with a gear deal. It's like the ability to actually go make a little bit of money and yep. not have to work. To like be a that. pro racer. Right. Like a, a program that I can actually hopefully excel at because I now have some more tools and more time to, to actually work on my craft. You can get some of, cryotherapy after yeah, you're done. Right. Instead of having to race on Saturday yeah, yeah. and drive all night and sell bikes by Monday yep. morning, yep. you know? So, uh, but literally I, I think it happened December. I don't know. I think I had surgery like December 20th. Uh, to fix my heel and then uh, and ended up having surgery later to fix my knee too but I want to say December 20th I had surgery and by February 
I want to say it was like the middle of February. I was at a desk at work. Like that's, it's a, t- it's, a t- it's a lot tougher than people think. Oh, it's, it was, I mean, I was going to work in a wheelchair, like, but I didn't know any, I didn't know any better. I, I'm not the person that sits around. Like you have a couple days where you're really upset and you feel sorry for yourself and stuff. And, but I would get over it. You know, like I'm like, I, I got to figure something out. Gotta That's get what out, I always did. Get the mud That's what I always did. You know, I never, I never had idle time. I was always working. I was always figuring something out, a way to make something happen, whatever it might be. I mean, I'll, I'll go dig a ditch on the weekend to make a few, like it didn't matter. I'm going to figure it out. And so Danny called me actually and was like, Hey, you know, I don't, I don't know what your plans are. And I know you're probably got a million things going through your head right now, but I've talked about hiring you before and I have a position open, you know, if you're interested, he's like, I have no idea what, you know, computer wise, business wise, whatever, but I've seen you work at racing and I've known you a long time and I know you have the mentality to figure it out and make it happen. And the other stuff will come. So he's like, do you want to, I'll come pick you up. We'll go have coffee. So I'm like, okay. So he comes and picks me up. And like I said, I couldn't even walk. Like I I sat in a wheelchair for 110 days total, basically from having surgery on both legs, which is humbling, very humbling. So we go have coffee and, you know, fast forward, I end up taking the job. And so I went from being hired for pro filter at the time and then have now moved up to brand manager for our power sports segment. So I'm doing Maxima and then also still doing pro filter. So it's, it's, uh, it's been cool though, because I've got to learn so much more than just being, you know, like a a rider support guy or somebody that, that maybe doesn't get to see the the business side of it they're just on the, the front end and taking care of athletes right so i've i've been fortunate to see everything from sourcing a product you know the full scale from start to finish exactly whether it's you know something i mean there's a million things that go that go into to a successful business but i've been lucky to see to see all sides of it uh working on the sales side the marketing side engaging with the riders uh commercializing new products, developing new products, testing new products, understanding chemistry inside of these products and what makes our products different than other people's products and margins and sales initiatives and working with sales reps and just, and you know, three-step distribution, like all these things that I didn't know anything about, but I was willing to learn and I apply the same mentality that I do to everything. Like I, I, I want to be good at it. I want to understand it and I want to figure it out and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to that point. And so that's kind of where, where I'm at now, you know, that's so that's really cool. So, and, and every day we're learning, I'm still learning, yeah. I have, you know, there's so much for me to still learn, but, but so I think I'm, when you're complacent, like, uh, and I, I use this in the last podcast with Paul, you probably heard it learning curve and earning curve. Yep. You're not getting rich right now. No, but your learning curve and Greg Matherly is, is the one that told me this, right? And I've talked about him on this podcast quite a few times because he's a great mentor of mine. Once again, learning curve, learning curve. If you were earning what you're making now and just sitting at a desk, it'd be miserable. But you're learning every day. You're learning yep. every day. You're learning, and the the learning curve is an exponential per, like curve, right? It's going up. It's going up. It's going up. And as you're learning, your earnings probably going up too with it a little bit, right? So it's, you're in the right spot. You're yep. doing the right thing. And it's like sometimes we get the visualization of Instagram and social media and, and also looking at, Oh, that guy, how's that guy have this? And how, not that saying you do that. I do that. And it's like, you can get in that zone of what's next. And it's really cool to hear you like being so able to absorb so much and retain knowledge that I I have a hard time retaining it because I've got my things, my ideas. And sometimes I need to get out of the idea incubator yeah. And get it and put it into this. 
right? So like having guests like yourself and Paul Parabinos and Morris, you guys are very, you execute very well. And I look at myself and I want to, I've been a part of a lot of great startups and a lot of cool things. And I want to be part of a team that in the future executes better than what I've executed. Right. And I think learning from your failures as you have and and moving forward is, is the way to do that. Yeah. And, and I think I'm, I'm a very observant person. I kind of, I always have been like I, and now like going back, sorry to cut you off, going back to looking at super minis and going, I don't have the same pit they, as they did. Yeah. If you weren't observant, you might have done better in that space. But your space, your long-term role, like you said, was you never really thought you were going to be an Eli Tomac. So you could have drugged this out making twenty five grand a year, thirty grand a year. You might have missed that opportunity, to Maxima. Yep. Right. Yeah. So we, I'm, and then I'm be in a completely different, different situation, situation yeah. right? I mean, we can. There's a lot of variables to life, yeah. but I think you have taken very bad situation and almost losing your foot, yeah. blowing a knee out, which we think is just whatever, just six months. Yeah. It's a life-changing well, thing. Yeah, if it was just a knee, I'd probably still, I yeah, probably would have yeah. came back and still been racing. You and know? then you've, you've turned over into, and and I'm not just saying this because you're sitting here. I've been a very proud Maxima user, Maxima family. That logo means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. To actually bring a lot more culture to it. You know, Dogger is Dogger, right? Yep. Ron, Ronnie's Ronnie. I'm yep. a super fan. But man, he's done his time. Oh yeah, he's, he's done he's, his time. Like, he's he just, earned that. He's you know? earned that, and yeah. and they needed some fresh blood to yeah. get out there, and to, for them to be able to have you, I think, and bring that fresh blood, that credibility, like you know, you going on the shows like Pulp and Max, and having them represent Maxima Racing Real is a huge step for Maxima, yeah. and and you bringing the the credibility and the new blood and that culture to the brand. Danny doesn't have time for to bring the culture. He's got to make sure this thing's moving and running and. POs are being processed and big and expanding business, right? Yeah. And it's you have a lot on your plate, but it's hard to have a culture for oil. Totally, because because oil is not it's not glamorous, it's not beautiful, it's not fun. So you have to there you have to find ways to make it that, and the, yeah. and, the and the the right way to do that is to just make sure that that we're aligning with key people and, and we're partnering with right people and and everybody around us that's a part of the Maxima family feels like that they're a part of something that's different, right? It's not mm-hmm. just some other brand that we, we go online and order from, you know, like yeah. we're, we're a brand that's got, you know, retired racers, active enthusiasts, people that participate in the segments that, that we sell product in, yeah. which is great. I mean, it's a, like you're saying, you know, it's a family owned type business. It's, we don't have some corporation that owns us and yeah, you're makes not a private equity. For, yeah, there's no I mean, private equity The last involved. podcast, you know, you heard Paul Parabino talking yeah. about the private equity problems, yeah. you know, and these are hurdles that, you know, that hopefully we never have to face with our professional career. But yeah. I mean, to this, like today, I mean, you, I mean, we killing four birds with one stone, but you know, I'm getting ready to set to travel across the world and like, dude, you need to get your product set email me and I'll go to the shop this morning and bring it here. So yeah. thank you. So yeah, when I get to Australia, I'll be representing Maxima and continue that relationship. And Heck yeah. man, it's, it's, it's a, it's been really cool seeing the, the brand grow and it's more refined. The website's better. The product's better. Like yep. it's not slowing down. I really feel um, I look at a Red Bull as a brand as being very high end, very methodical, very thought out. And I think Maxima in the oil sector is that. Yeah. And that, and that's our goal. We are, we, you know, we were founded as a premium brand and we want to remain a premium brand. Yeah. And, and one thing that I think we do really well is that we're, we're very consistent. So, and, and everything's very calculated and, you know, we, you're not going to see this, this huge push that almost looks like it, it doesn't fit the Maxima, uh, 
uh, wireframe, let's yeah, say, or yeah, yeah. we're stepping out and doing, and then all of a sudden we're going to disappear. You know, we're just yep. we're we're on this path of of uh, consistency, and mm-hmm. and obviously there's aspirations to to grow the brand outside of the U.S. and there's all these you know other markets that we haven't even tapped into that we have the ability to to grow in, and uh, so outside of racing, there is a lot of focus on on the sales side and and international business, but and not lose control of your but, viable. But we don't want to lose sight of of where the company was founded and, and started and, and that's in grassroots racing and, and high performance racing. So I think we have a, we have a good balance, you know, like I, I've got to learn the business side of it yeah. and, but I'm so well rooted in the industry side of it and no two wheels, like the back of my hand that yep. I can find a happy medium where like I'm, I'm, some days I'm buried in spreadsheets, but other days I'm, I'm up here doing yeah. a podcast, getting to ride my bike. So like, you know, there, there's, 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 there's so that's much, that culture. You can't lose that culture. Exactly. But so. some days aren't fun. Right. right. Well, in, in dirt bikes, some days you're 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 flat. Some days you're grenade a motor and you're you're running around. So like it's it's all work. If you treat it like a job, it's always work. Yeah. And man, I commend you on on what you've done with your racing career. I commend you on and you and your family of letting this be a cool ride. Yeah. Right. There's highs and lows with families and totally. And uh, it's it's really cool to see how tight your family stayed and 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 to the core and, and being able to, um, like just have a really phenomenal career and transition into a professional. That's very becoming an industry leader in, in the space. So congrats, dude. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate so it. So let's talk, uh, we were, we some bench racing, you know, uh-huh. the, I do my, my super cross review sleep dog insights. I just started that H1 H2. I mean, I, I love talking to guys that are knowledgeable and passionate like yourself. Um, what was, I'll give you my takeaway, what I saw about H2, and you just tell me if you think I'm fucking batshit crazy, but <laughs> I look at the lights class and I see, um, like we have about a half hour to get through this and it, I look at the lights class and I'm like, man, the top eight are fast, Yeah. but then it falls off like a cliff, right? There's a, the you have a lot of young rookies taking nothing away from like Josh Varese. He's getting 12th and 15th as first year, which are really strong results for a privateer effort. Yeah. I think traditional West coast. I don't know if, I mean, I don't know if there's, if they've, there's a, there's a pretty big gap in the depth of field. The yeah. top eight are on an, on an extremely fast level though. Yeah. I don't want to say that the, the, the competition is not soft on the front side, but the backside seems a little soft. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I, Cause so I always race West coast, yeah. you know, when I was racing and, and so you would watch East coast and you'd always be like, God, like I, I, it falls off so hard on the East yep. coast. But, but then, you know, like I didn't actually go race those tracks and they, the tracks yeah. are different. Yeah. Dirt's different. It's ruddy, things like that. So who's, you can't really say how you would have done if yep. I would have raced East coast, but like this year. I mean, when, when I was racing, which is, you know, 14, 13, 14, 15, 16, you go to Anaheim one, there'd be 90, 95 guys that would show up to try and qualify for, mm-hmm. for the lights class. You know, you got three different practice. Like it was gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. And no I watched joke. the race, you know, last night and there's, there's not even 40 guys. So everyone, you show up, you're getting in. Yeah. The pandemic is definitely throwing a you loop, know? a wrench in like the accessibility to go racing. Totally. And I think West Coast typically... Um, we get a little off topic, but West coast in the California, typically you got a lot of dorks that <clears throat> would show up to say they're part of it. So the, you know, you'd have 30 entries that were fluffers Yeah, that, that were like syndic guys out in Richie Canyon that would show up, yeah. you know? Um, and due to this supercross points, you know, 
this road to Supercross, you've eliminated a lot of guys that would just want to try. Yeah. Because they're trying to get points and they got hurdles. Yeah, like the, the process is a little more difficult. Yeah, and, and and I think it's bad. I think you know you're getting kids like you know Kai Alo struggled to get his points and you know he he would be in Maine's no problem. I think yeah. it, the way this the the series stands now, um, yeah. other riders, but that's another another <laughs> podcast and itself on the road. But yeah, but like to I, it almost it almost bums me out a little bit you know what i yeah. mean like i i don't like to see not a, a lack of riders let's say yeah because we're seeing that um you know like with some of the things that they that they were doing with the schedule and i know this year is different but you know even in years past with how the schedule would line up with here like even west coast rounds like uh, it's not it does not cater to the privateer you know no. and so uh, and I know the East Coast because it moves around so much, it does make it more difficult for yeah. more guys to show up. But um, now I, I think that, and this is just my opinion. I'm not out there racing, but it, it is it's definitely soft after those you know eight to ten guys like yeah. you're talking about. So so let's go into those eight to ten guys. Jet Reynolds last night, my mind blown. Yeah, yeah. That's um, what we all were. All this hype, all this Red Bull, Alpine Star, HRC. All this stuff that, you know, any haters are, are questioning, why does this kid have this? We, I'm sure he's got some big paychecks that I think he he earned yeah. at 16, yeah. 17 years old last night. Yeah, that's what I, I, I have to, you know, like sit back for a second <laughs> 17, and think about dude. that, right? Like the, the, 17 years all old. All he wants to be is the best. Yeah, and like, and I, I mean, like you watch him ride last night. I mean, he looks like a veteran, you know what I mean? His form, his style, his posture. So good, you know, I, like. Johnny Omar is taking like a mold that was ready and it was, it was there yeah. and he's refined it yeah. and, and his dad and, 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 you know, their whole crew, they have a tight circle between their agent. I see, and they keep it tight, but the kid has fun and barking yeah. like a dog. I he's know, acting yeah. 17. Yeah. He loves riding his bike where you see as they get older, sometimes they're just not even having fun riding their bike. And this yeah. is a fun thing. And he's not up there thanking sponsors and stuff he's up there just telling the story and in his being way himself yeah. that was sweet yeah but I, yeah just like <laughs> mechanically like on the bike he is one of the one of the better riders i've, I've seen ever in seen in the world you know like yeah he is he's taking some stewart and that young too like you see guys that that get to that point right like like craig is somebody yes that christian's is like, refined it but he's 27 yeah, he's, he's my age i think he's 29 yeah okay so so you know like but to see somebody that's 17 and already have that kind of composure and ability on the bike to where it, I mean, he made it look so easy. You know what I mean? And, and then I, I have to sit back and go, gosh, he's only, I remember when I was 17 and to have that kind of you Dude, know, I was, pressure. I was and, worried about getting a hand job and keeping my 87 so I to pick up run it. <laughs> and, and he's out. Think of the hand jobs that Lawrence is worried about getting. He ain't worried about a hand job. Infinite. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We'll get back on task here, but um, yeah, so Jet Lawrence last night, H two dominated. Yeah, yeah, it was it was. Uh, Did you think you rattled Christian a little bit? I mean, you're tight with Christian, probably. You guys go way uh, back. I, we yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't talk to him. You know, these days uh, we just kind of had grown up racing yep, around yep. each other and stuff like that. And I mean, it's uh, a great story. I, I'm a fan. Of, I'm a fan of Christian. You yeah, know, I'm a fan of of his ability on the bike. He's he's awesome to watch ride. Uh, but I think. I think last night was a little bit of a statement from, from Jet, you know, like oh, going into it. I'm like, well, you know, cause Christian at, at the first round was, was awesome. Right. Like, oh, the fierce yeah, pissed. Yeah. Uh, just, just gritty. You know what I mean? Like so I teared there, up watching his out thing. there to win, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, and nothing was going to stop him that night, you know? So that that's in him somewhere. Yeah. But 
to get every, that guy every weekend, that's the that, it, I think that, that's the challenge. Right, that's a good point, and so, I think Jet might have sucked the like Christian got in a second, and I think he put in an effort in that heat race. Yeah, and Jet went nah nah. <laughs> so after the heat, and and I was you know group texting with some guys during the heat, and I said Christian's not going to beat him in the main. He's not, you know, like yeah. the, I think that that heat race was like, I mean, it was, it, it kind of flipped the momentum a little bit. That yeah, night, yeah. He flipped you know? the script. Definitely. Because, uh, it's, uh, it's not like Christian's not trying, you yes. know, but, uh, I think, and, and third, I mean, third, still a good finish for Christian. Like he's yeah, dude, to, he, to manage points. Right. I mean, Jet was six. And we talked about the top, the top eight guys, top 10 guys are ridiculous. Yeah. So in. If, let's hope this bad night, because I'm a fan of the Craigs and Christian yeah. and, and his story, and let's hope this bad night was a third Yeah, for him and exactly. his program, because he's put the work in. Like, yeah. he ain't cruising. And there's things that can kind of maybe add up to him having a little bit of a, that pressure we'll of the red off night. Yeah, yeah, so has the night of his life, right? So, and uh, just the 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 wear and tear on your body and the the feelings and what the emotions that he went that can drain you what all the, the interviews Dude. everything you're on like you know there's so Dude. much happening and yep. then now it's like oh shoot it's two days later and i gotta race again and so there and then now there's pressure like oh yeah. i have to go back it up yep. so the the mental side of it is i think is still his biggest yep. challenge so if if i think he's and, in a good spot with that team yes and so if they can keep his head right and he goes out there and rides yeah. like like he can ride i think you know and isn't it crazy we're so like quick as being enthusiasts and bench racers like he has a, a bad night in third and we're like is this it but yeah. we just are so like it, it's the truth like you yeah. can see like history repeats itself and in, in the history christian would have an off night and it it, it just falls it gets passed and falls apart so right. i think there's some confidence issues there and that comes from stems from years of you know of a way of racing. And I think that Swanepoel star racing have, are trying to change that narrative. So good luck to Christian next round. Um, like I said, I'm a fan. Um, another guy I'm a big fan of that got second that I think has been kind of underrated. Like people know, know he's dope and know he's fit and he's well-spoken. He's got style. I could go on and on and on about him. Um, Colt Nichols. Yeah. He's hit on paper. He's the fastest. He actually posted fastest lap at H1 H2 when Christian blew by him in the whoops. I'm like, dude, this sucks. Sucks. Like, great for Christian. Like, I'm like, but then Colt like has such deep racecraft and roots. He came back and yeah, you know, so he kind of has that narrative of making a hiccup too. Like in the heat race, he's winning. Yeah, and he threw it away. Threw it away. But like, if he can get rid of these little hiccups, and he missed, I think, um, uh, unlike Christian, Christian ended on a high in Paula, right? Well, it was 450. Yeah, Colt was out with reconstructive shoulder surgery, I believe. So I'm thinking the more laps, the more racing, the more he can learn. The guy's so well-spoken. I, I mean, what's your thought on Colt Nichols? Uh, I'm a fan. I've been a fan for a long time. Like, even when he was on, like, the Cycle Trader deal, you yep. know, like, I mean, he was really good. You know what I mean? And he had that kind of, like, I would say a little bit more relaxed and, we in like, the swag a little yeah, bit. Like, yeah. he just made everything look so good and – you know the little leg swag. Deal yeah, but it wasn't just, forced. It was natural. Yeah, it just it it just looked like it came to him super easy. Like Dogger, dude. Right. Right. <laughs> but since then, so like now he's he's got this intensity, right? So now he's he's taken that ability and applies this intensity to it, and the dude is flying. Like, and he's been kind of 
had like some injuries and things like that. Like he's getting some momentum. He's a podium guy, gets some podiums and then crashes and gets banged up and then kind of rebuilds and starts over. And then when he shows up at a race, like he, he's in the mix, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So I think if he's, uh, and, and you can tell he's not happy with second and third, like he's, he, he's out uh, there to win right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, and, they, and I think that's what that star team is, um, with Swanee and their crew there's the expectation is to win. Like yeah. they don't hire someone to get fourth. So like they're like Christian said it, they're racing every day. Like it's a fight to be the best yeah. within like 11 guys. Yeah. Like I think between the amateur kids, there's 11 guys. So yeah, like I noticed like talking about, about Colt for a minute, like you'll see, and you can watch any rider now if you watch a, a privateer level guy and a factory level guy and just the way they approach, let's say a rhythm section. So you have, you know, there'll be a turn and they, they have to three out or whatever they're going to do to start the rhythm. And you'll see a guy hit the turn and he seat bounces it. Right. And then you'll watch a factory level guy that comes out of the turn, stands up and absolutely scrubs the drives three in, forward. Right. And then continues to drive through the whole rhythm instead of, you know, up in the air, down up in the air. Like they are moving forward all the time. And that's one thing that I notice about Colt now is like, let's say four years ago, the guy would come out of the turn and make it look awesome. Like it was the raddest thing to watch. See, mm, bounce good it, point. look good. Good point. He's for- super smooth, super clean. But now the guy is charging the turn, charging out of the turn, standing up, scrubbing into the rhythm. Set. Took more of the Osborne. Yeah. Like they're, like, like they're finding, they have to find these tents everywhere, right? They're all on this level now where any of them can win on, you know, and <laughs> so it comes down to getting a good start and they're literally fighting for tents. And those tents come from, whether I jump two inches, three inches farther, or I short it two inches and barely tag it, and the yeah. rear wheel comes off the ground, if I'm standing up carrying more, like this other, they've like the guys they're working with and they're training, they've isolated all these little things that add up to let's say four, five, six tenths per lap. Yep. You know, and and so that's one thing that I do notice with him is his intensity is is much higher than it used to be. And you yeah. see that with the elite, with the elite yeah, guys. Yeah. Like that know? top nine, they're all on that same platform. They're yeah. not seat bouncing. Seat bouncing is easier to get. It's that you're almost resting, yeah. getting out of that saddle, standing up like that to do that for 26 laps or whatever you're doing. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a big feat in itself, yeah. you know? So, and the bikes are faster too. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the level of what's expected is higher than it's ever been on that top level. Um, a couple notable people before we wrap up the lights class, I liked, uh, what I really liked. Let's go about, yeah. What I really liked to see was Joe Shimoda. Some things happened in his favor, but the kids, you know, he doesn't have a lot of time on that person at Kawasaki and he's really shown to be polished and he's getting better. Like his rate of growth isn't that good, but he is, taking steps the right direction he's you know i thought mumford was gonna get that spot but i was shocked just because they have a good relationship with mitch from back in the day and i'm like carson's fast and now shimoda got it i'm like well that's surprising yeah i i i like shimoda i think he so two years ago i was at loretta's um for maxima obviously and and was was watching watching the one of the pro races and this is when uh jet was there and like so like there was a lot of hype you know, on Lawrence at, at Loretta's, you know, like everybody's all eyes on him, but Shimoda was really good and was like, compete. nah, like, like I'm going to show you I'm good too. Yeah, yeah. It was like race, you know, like yeah. they were battling and he, and Shimoda crashed. I, I was standing right there. Like after they go through the finish and there's kind of that turning left before you go over the, the tunnel there to go back reverse on the starting line. And he hit the ground. I was, I was standing right there. He hit the ground. So it was like 
I could feel it in my legs. You know Ugh. what I mean? Just like his body hits the ground and he just stops. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like it was bike, just cartwheel. Like, so he gets up and you could like, he hurt his shoulder, but that kid lined up the rest of the week and rode his ass off. Like, cause he, cause they sacrificed know? totally. Like his he, family. Totally. He's like, I am racing what, you know, and, and he, I would have not like the, the regular guy would have crashed and been done. Like yeah. he hit the ground so hard. And so since then I've kind of, yeah. I guess paid more it's, attention to him. Weird? Like we have moments of people yeah. where you like catch them and you're like, now I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm like, the, the dude's got heart, you know? Yeah, so, so he, 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 he didn't surprise me, but I'm happy to see that he's going the right trajectory, yeah. right? He's working hard. His bike's driving. Um, I think he, he has speed and he has talent and he's really smooth and calculated. He, he just doesn't have that, that raw speed that you're seeing in some of the guys, which can come over time. Yeah. If, if, you know? if he's, and I think he's in a place which in pursuit at Kawasaki, if you have time to develop where like Tori Lee and uh, um, other Tori Lee has been recycling guys quick. If you don't have the time, you know, for the guy like Shimoda, you, you're actually making a bad investment. Yeah. You need to look at certain people and understand if they're going the right way, if they're, if they're getting faster, what's your rate? Of, I mean, if they're spending a lot of money for that, that's a different story. But I don't think Mitch is – anyone's throwing a lot of money at riders right now. Yeah. So, and I, I think he was fourth or fifth yes. in points last year. Yeah. So, like, he's – you know, He's like no he, joke. He was rookie he, of the year. He quietly had a really good rookie yeah. year. Yeah. He's know? a great – he beat their star guy. So, yeah. let's roll into that. Like, Austin Forkner – he makes it hard for me to be a, like a fan and, yeah. and I'm a fan of his writing and his skill set. but like he doesn't make things easy on him. He's got, it's Forkner against the field. Like, yeah. and, and he's even, I see like with the mechanic and they have the swagger and this arrogance about him. And I don't know Ollie Stone at all, but I just see what they have in their, inter- it's the Ollie Stone and Forkner versus everyone. Um, and, I don't see it working. I don't yeah. see it working. I think, you know, any person that Austin comes up on, he, they're going to make it hard on him. And after what he did to RJ Hampshire, and I'm, I'm, I can appreciate the aggression and, and he wants to move forward and it's, it's hungry as a team manager side of things, but he's making poor decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I, he's a great rider. I mean, the, if you want to talk about raw speed, <sighs> unbelievable, you know, but to your point, he's making he's making a lot of enemies, right? You know, and 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 I don't know. We don't know what goes on behind no. closed doors and the pressure to to win and and you know his mentality or or how he approaches a race could be embedded in him just from you know years of doing it. And, and that's what, that's what, that's what he knows. Hey, I'm my shit don't stink. And, and here I've talked I, to his parents. They wanted to be on the KTM program. I'm interrupt you about that. And I this is what my theory on this is. He was unmatched from like. 12 to 13 to super mini to even B and a, mm-hmm. I don't spent thinking much spent much time in a, he wasn't beat. And then he goes to the pro ranks and he's instantly has a little bit like some success. And then he has these trials and tribulations mm-hmm. and then he's not coming back as fast. And, yep. and I don't think he's even given himself enough time after a life changing injury at Salt Lake. Yeah. And, and I'm defending him, but actually actually want to tell him like, Hey dude, and I'm sure Mitch is like, God, I'm, I'm no Mitch is. Yeah. He's like, take your time, dude. And it's like Mitch hung on to AC for nine years or something, was, right? Yeah. Seven years. It's like he has time, but in their eyes, they're in the moment and everything's, it's nothing is worth it unless they win. And, you know, your second race back after missing the whole summer, 
and just just uh, I want Austin Fortner to let his writing speak for himself. Like you know what happened with his crazy monster fiance and breaking up. Like he's let the public in yeah. to his personal life, and his personal life looked not good. Yeah, and he's so young. So young. It's like there's a lot of things that can compound into cleaning out R.J. Hampshire, and I guess we both. I've let everyone know what we think of Fortner. He had a bad night last night. He yeah. needs to clean up his attitude yeah. and clean up his, his decision-making and let his amazing writing and race writing craft because his race speak for itself because his race craft today is not good. Yeah. Well, the amount and the amount of time that he had off, I mean, if he comes back and he's second in the first round yeah. and he's third, the second, like those are great finishes, yeah. right? Like you're right in the mix and you're doing what you need to if do. If he would have finished second, he would have the points lead. Yeah. Right. Like he, I, but, I but think, there's a beef with jet. Right, he's letting beefs. There's a beef with Jet. There's a beef with anybody in front of him. Yes, apparently. apparently right. Know. So he's letting these beefs dictate his 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 destiny. Yeah, and and I'm I I was never in a, the position that they're in at, at a factory. Me level. neither. Me neither. But I think it's this is my opinion. But I think they need to realize how precious time is for them. Like he's he's at this point where it's like you need to do everything you can to just keep building and not have these big setbacks like adam was is a good example won everything was not used to getting beat and had these years and and he's unique in the fact that he's found a way to claw out of that and way and yeah and nick helping him and and he's so solid and he's still working through some little bobbles here and there but like when the guy is on like he's not going to be beat you know what i mean and but it's getting those bad nights not so bad right and like controlling 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 the you know, on that note, we'll talk into like the guy he got messed up and ran into is is uh, RJ Hampshire. It just seems like he's racing each lap for his life. I'm a big fan of RJ. Like I don't know him from Adam, but I like his intensity. I like the I like this team he's on. His bike, I'd said it H1 doesn't look like it's as good as what it could be. Yeah. Um, but they'll figure it out. Let's hope RJ figures it out. Not much yeah. to say. It's kind of been like a. Wah, 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 like that, yeah. that, like that Forkner incident. Let's hope he can put that behind him and just go out and win out some races for him. Yeah. And that team, cause this is a big year for him. I think he had a pretty big lucrative deal, a three year deal possibly. Mm-hmm. So he needs to, he needs to get some good races under his belt. Yeah. I know. I know he works really hard, Yeah, you know, and you can't and, fake it at the Baker's factory. No, no, absolutely not. So in, he's obviously very, you know, talented rider. Um, Anyone else that so we got jet one who got second last night. Um, Jeez, this is terrible. Yeah, this is bad. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's. Um, it was Jet Nichols and Craig. That's right. So we got the top three. Yep. Michael Moseman looked good in the heat race. Yeah. He needs to get some starts. That guy's rad. He's he's good. Yeah. Him him and his brother are awesome. Like, yeah. They're just they're good, just good dudes. They're like, solid people, man. Yeah. I uh, I enjoy uh, it, like his his social media stuff cracks me up. Like yeah, his fun, fun facts. facts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kills me. So yeah. So I mean, I think going into this series. It's it's gonna be Jet versus Star. Yeah, I would agree. Like when it comes comes down to the end, I'm glad Honda. I said last weekend that I didn't feel like Jet's bike was as fast as it could it should be to, with those Star guys, and he was gonna um, struggle. Well, I have to eat my words. Did you see the starts he was getting? He was like a bike length out on in the, the main <laughs> event when he. I, I was watching it, and I'm like, oh my god! Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It was huge incredible. Shot. It yeah. incredible. So huge hole shot. Going into the, where's the next round? Is it still in Houston? Yeah, Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. We'll, one we'll, one guy, 
that I I've been impressed with is uh, and I and I actually I didn't I won't say I talked bad but I was just questionable on the on the move was was Volan. Oh my God! So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. So I cause so I, I <laughs> we when I was on Pulp we talked about you know a few moves that we questioned or thought were weird going into the season and that was one of them for me. I said. I, I, I don't I don't know the kid uh, and I don't know much about him. I followed him on Instagram for a long time because he had rad videos on his 85 and the kid was unbelievable on an 85. But I said I just it feels rushed to me. So I have no idea how he's gonna do nothing. He's been pretty solid the first two rounds. He's, I, I agree. he's in the race. He's he's doing the laps. He's looks fairly fit in like. I agree with you, and I'm just pause you because there's one other thing to add to like what my confusion was. He got smoked at Minios, and he did. Yeah, he got yeah. smoked. And, and Ryan Morse is like, well, he he was just getting his points. And I'm like, that seems like a cop out to me because if you're a racer, you go to race, you go to win. Like yeah. Jet Lawrence wouldn't have rode around. Yeah, it should have been easy for him. But you know, but but as I see Max's process and the way him and Talon. Are building their their platform. They're not working with Baker's Factory because they want their trajectory to go like the way that's been going. Right. They've got it. I'm. I I want to say they've they can. I'm a fan. I'm. I never wasn't a fan. I questioned what the the Red Bull KTM sign was like. Well, that's a big loop. I heard some parents call me and say that was BS, and I can't believe that my kid's better. No, they aren't. No, they're not because this kid's in the race. His experience already in two rounds. Look at Jet Lawrence's second round of Supercross last year. He was the yeah. next best thing. Hurt, broken Done. collarbone. Yeah. Dude, Max is in, he, getting good starts, controlling his environment, putting the work in, and he's going to be – I think he he could land on the podium if there's another crazy night. Yeah, and and that's the most important thing for him is to be in the race. Yeah. That's all he needs to do yeah. every single week is stay healthy, stay off the ground, keep learning, keep putting the laps in, and just being around it. Because And even for Jet, like – because they're so young. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you've got, you know, like there's so many years you can potentially race and you need to just, you need to take advantage of being young and try and stay off the ground. And maybe you're, you know, you're not win even with jet. It's like, even if he was a, a two, three guy this year and ends up second in points, that's a win. And he's my racing opinion. a 29 year old. Yeah, right. Like, and, and, that's and a RJ Hampshire is 26. They have kids. Like right. he's so far behind on the learning on the, on the, on the life experience. Exactly. So you, I have in, in, in little Max Maximus Voland. Yeah. He, it gets me fired up because he's now Rogers got this and Ian Harrison have this way of finding people. And you know, yeah, totally. Um, Ryan Dungey came in, but times have changed. Like they are not the same as Ryan Dungey. Like, and they know that. Like, I questioned the Maximus Volan signing. I, I was wrong. Like, I would have lost some dollars yeah. on that if I bet against myself, it. myself included. Because they saw that he could take his time. They saw, but and also kudos to them for not rushing him and cracking him on the whip. Like, yeah. and and they're letting him develop. And I think the long game, Maximus Volan could be a title contender. In 2022, bold. I don't know if I'll go that far, but <laughs> because I put I'd put him at a yeah. A, let's say a, well, I mean, I'm saying because Christian's out. Yeah, Christian's going 450. He told yeah. me he's out. Colt can re defend. I I think he could be if 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 the learning curve keeps going the way it is. I, I think a title contender. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what Roger expects at that point. He Possibly. yeah. He has some. He's he has some. Um, 
you know, his abilities, like he's very talented on the bike, yeah. you know, but Thomas French. Yeah. Yeah. He's very smooth, very calculated. And you know, he, he's tall already. I think he'll yeah, probably yeah. get a little bit taller. So, you know, like the whoops may be something that he, he benefits from yeah. the older he gets, the more experience he gets. So I think he has a lot of good things going for him. And the important thing is to just be there every week, Yep. you know, cause yeah. Thanks for, thanks for calling that out. Cause that's yeah. a good find. Um, anything else on 250 class? I think I think we kind of covered because it's not a lot, right? Like yeah. it's 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 intense, it's fast, and it's going to be exciting. That's yeah. for sure. So, moving on to four fifties last night, dude, unbelievable! Like, <laughs> unbelievable! Like, there's, it's, there's it's eight, insane. I actually say there's twenty two guys that are gnarly. Yeah, like everyone pokes at Alex Ray. I've poked at him physically. Like, took me out at Glen Helen, but he is takes this shit serious, and he's fast, and he's. He's getting in the mains each weekend, and he's no joke, barely. Like, when I say he's barely getting in the mains, he's not talking shit. Like, yeah. he is fast, and he is props to the 22 guys. And if you don't get points, it sucks, but there's 22 legit dudes, and there's going to be about four that cycle in each week that are yeah. in and out. Um, I'm going to talk to the from, go from the back to the front from this guy, from this race, that really – Alex Ray is a guy I'm stoked for. Like, he, he works really hard. He's yeah. been back-to-back mains. He had some – just clean up his starts. I think in the in the LCQs each weekend he'll be in. The heat races are gnarly. It's so it's it's, it's so it's insane. Like you know, you see guys like Tickle that are just they're mini main events. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, they're 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 tough. I think like Alex Ray Chisholm, dude Chisholm's riding really well. I honestly can say he looks better than he has in a long time. I don't know what he's done, but he doesn't look as bunched up and tight. He's yeah. riding the bike like he's like. He's 45 now, right? Yeah. I, I'm, no. a, I'm a Chisholm fan. Man. He, this, if like, you're playing uh, fantasy, dude, yeah, he's oh, yeah, your guy. Yeah, I, I had him pick last night. <laughs> um, but. but he he did good. Um, like, he looks good. Ray's good. Um, the, then you have just the whole the, – like, you just keep going up. Everyone's within a second. And the tracks have played out to be a little – we say they're easy – but they're not easy the way they have to race them. Yeah. They're racing at such a high level of speed. Um, and then we get into the you know middle middle of the pack. You got guys like Dean Wilson and and Jason Anderson that are and Cooper that was stuck in like eleventh again, tenth, ninth. Like he's they're not going through the pack like they they normally would. Yeah. Um, what's your takeaway from like the the back to the middle of the pack? It's it's just so stacked that. It, I mean, everybody talks about like, oh, the start, you know, the start is the most important thing And this year more than ever. Like you, you can't talk about the start enough because all these guys, like you're saying, they're all very, very close in lap times and you, you, you can't fall down and come back and win anymore. Like mm. you just can't do you it. Can't. You can't fall down and come back to a podium anymore. Nope. You know, like it, it's, there's too many guys. So it's, it's tough because I think as somebody like like Dean or even like Tickle, like these guys are so they're past s- champions. Yeah, past champions, like awesome riders, fit. They take it very serious still. Like they are very dedicated and committed to this, and to go out there and ride around in fifteenth or have to go to LCQ multiple weeks. Like it's I, mentally, it's got to be defeating. It has to be defeating, you know. And so they're only gonna be one podium or three podium guys and one winner. Yep, and. Like, yeah, so let's go into, like, that top three, right? You had, well, not even top three. Let's talk about some key moments that I saw in that race last night because it was action-packed. Yeah, I think, like, we talked about a little bit earlier, but 
how fast Sexton was going out and, front. and controlled. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I mean, he. I you know, I, I watched. Uh, it was the first round, and during qualifying, the track was when it was going obviously opposite of how it was today. But they would go. I'm trying to think of how to describe it, but there was a couple flat turns basically that were like left-handers. It was the turn before they would come out and then hit the wall and then go into the whoops last week. Yep. And he was going inside right there, and like he didn't even put his foot out. Like it was like. And just looked so per like you couldn't hit the turn better, and never even put his foot down. Like just literally accelerating down the down the straightaway, on the brakes and just off the brakes, and leans into the thing, doesn't even put his foot out, and rails the whole line. Like he does things that are just and his, amazing. His, his leg strength and yeah. like uh, 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 body positioning and yeah. the way he manages the bike. He did it last night with his left turn, never put his foot out. Just done, done, yeah. And it's it's they've changed the game. Yeah. Like these guys have changed. Like tickle rides very, two thousand five, two thousand seven, like perfect, like elbows up, leg out, like methodical, like yep. nothing fancy, nothing fancy. Yep. These kid, these guys have ele- Kenny, I think, elevated a little bit yes. from like took the Stewart and does the, the feet up on the pegs, and then Tomac changed it with just beer, and everyone's learning from everyone, and they have to adapt. Yep. And Chase has taken like the best of everyone, and last night's mistake could. I haven't heard. Did he break his hand or wrist? I haven't heard either. But, but. his all it was because of the rate of speed they're having to go, or yeah. he is going to. His back wheel stepped out for six inches. If it wouldn't have stepped out, he would have never crashed. Yeah. It wasn't a lapse of concentration. It wasn't a rookie move. It was a, a racing thing. Yeah. Or or maybe he gets thrown off the side of the track instead of into that next face. Like oh. it was just the way it all played out was just unfortunate. Yeah, right? it was. I so. mean. You but, said he. I'm like, oh, Woody made the thirty laps. You said yes. I'm like, well, that that's bold, but he's a rookie, and I don't doubt it. Like yeah. he's fit. He's got Blake Savage training him. James get helping with his racecraft. So that's what I would have liked to see. Is and and I didn't realize they had to do thirty laps. And and I that think I think that's too many. Too yeah. Many. But go, going back to you know, the way that guys are riding now, like they're finding ways to be even more efficient. You know, yeah. like if I don't have to put my foot down here, I'm saving a little bit of energy. But you, you know, know that and, takes more strength. Yeah, it, but and in your right, core, a different right, way of right, riding. Right. But so like, and, and Kenny was the first guy that was really doing it in races where you're like, he's hitting four turns and not even, he doesn't even put his foot down. Like yeah. the insane balance. roll speed, yes. squeezing with his knees. Yes, like, yes. But Chase is very, he's always very neutral and centered on the bike. Mm-hmm. Like he does, his body doesn't move much. You can tell his legs are strong because he yeah. uses his legs a lot. Yep. But he's, you know, I think he's very efficient. He's he doesn't do. He's very sh- straightforward and very fast. Like he carries a lot of momentum. Doesn't do anything fancy. He's nope. not a huge like scrub guy. And you know, like he's just attacking everywhere, and he makes it look very easy. Absolutely. Uh, and so I'm. It's a bummer to see him fall down because I I had high hopes for him. So I I like I said I haven't seen what happened. I'm sure if we looked on our phone. Yeah, right yeah, now, we haven't been, we haven't there. been on our phone all right, day. We've been out riding. So. Yeah, now we're doing this shit. Show, but uh, so. I hope he's okay and, and yeah. I hope he can rebound and and start building some momentum throughout the yep. rest of the year. So. Um, other guys like we had a few lead changes. You know, at, mm-hmm. I think Adam inherited the lead at one point. Mm-hmm. Then he fell down. Then he fell. Same, like, you're like, dude, the black cloud. Yeah. Like, he was really off at A1. Like, he said on Instagram, quiet. Then he lets us know that he had a, a surgery, like, months or weeks before. I wish yeah. these guys would be more transparent. A little more transparent, yeah. Like, but that's their story. And I, to being a fan, and because and, I don't like that, 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 oh, I had surgery three weeks ago after I had a bad night. Yeah. 
like I believe he had it, and I believe it's a problem. But if you but let they us, like, they like they wait to use it. You know? Yeah, yeah. So that uh, he's gonna be fast. He showed he was fast last night. Um, Osborne um, was reeling in Eli, had it on lock, and threw it away with like a lap and a half to go. Yeah, I don't. So last night, Eli was not the best guy. He but, said it like we said. Yeah, like, and I think that was pretty aware. And and I was watching qualifying and. Eli looked very uncomfortable all day. It's not very often you see Eli mess up three or four laps in a row. Like I was mm. watching him where he would literally hit the whoops, scrub the finish line, and get through two, you know, a third of the lap, two-thirds of the lap, make a mistake, shake his head, upset, start over, and then do it again the next lap. Mistake, like multiple mistakes. Like you could tell he was uncomfortable or fighting the bike or just yeah. unhappy about something. And um, so and it, it, he, he kind of got away with one. Totally. Like when I say away with one, I'm glad he's back in the championship hunt. I'm glad Eli's back, yeah. like, because he's so badass to watch race, and he's yeah. a he's a he's a beast. But I think he's a realist, and he knows like Kenny had a couple Kenny rocks, and he's I think in the driver's seat right now. Like he looks good, his bike looks good. I hope he believes he's in the driver's seat because Barsha, as well as he were the first round, yeah. and that and that whole Anaheim one win thing, yeah. like that whole thing that was really cool marketing idea. I'm glad it came all played out the way it was because it's fun to be on that ride with yeah. that camp. Yeah. But last night was he didn't he just had a bad night and did you see him like freaking out at the after, yeah right was he at pointing the end. down at something yeah I yeah he was but I don't know was what. it the air shock. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like the air shock, I have a lot of time on that thing. And when it's good, it's phenomenal. It's bad, it's bad. So did they have cavitating issues? And I don't mean to be stirring drama, but like, it's interesting when things are bad, there's something wrong with the bike. Yeah. But well, when, when he wins the week, or the, you know, four days before, it's the, best, four, bike it's ever. the best bike ever. So yeah. Barsha, let's hope that he he's going back and it's showing history piece itself. Yeah. Which is mentally could be a lot of weight, you know? And I think... You know, Tyler Keefe's a young team manager, and I hope that that youngness can help Barsha because I think that's better than, like, the old Mike Guerra regime, the Keith McCarty regime at Yamaha. So yeah. I'm anxious to see what happens this Saturday in Houston with Barsha because he needs to get that turn back around. Yeah, I think this will be the most important race of the series for him. It'll I, be this third be, round. I agree. Um, because we've seen kind of the both sides of it now, and so we're either going to – continue reverting back to, to how it's been for him the last yep. few years yep. or, or, you know, he's going to turn it around at this next round and, and be a guy that can, they can compete up front all, all year. One, one thing, um, what one team I'm really stoked for, um, is the star racing 450 program. Um, dude, people are hating on Yamaha, hating on that bike. Like the consumers loved it. I love mine. And so it almost was like as a proud Yamaha owner, like it, like people like question me cause they sucked now seeing Ferrandis and Malcolm Stewart had one mistake out of the right that he got passed by some Cooper, I think, mm -hmm. and it shuffled him. He was he was going forward. He was up yeah. to almost third, and that pace is so close. I hope when they look at lap times and show him, like, dude, you were that close. It was just like Cooper came, and yeah. then you got shuffled. Yeah. and then On it, paper, you were really good. Yes, yeah. like which sometimes that fifth is just like an ex, a, a situation, and then they're back, and you kind of luck into a P5. Where and I don't want to use this for Brayton, but Brayton managed a race to get a P3. He didn't luck into it because he earned it. Yeah. But he was far. He had a good start. Talking about yeah. making your luck. Yeah. Great start. Got himself a gap. Managed the race. But Ferrandis, dude. But you said it on the bike ride today. He uh, 
he he's those guys should be worried. Yeah, I think he's gonna be he's gonna be a problem. I think in the near future. Yeah, um, he doesn't have a lot of time. No, not at all. After that hand injury, yeah, Elsinore. Yeah, from getting yeah, it hasn't been going to that much real quick. Time. He was transparent on the day. Yeah, yeah. Posted about it. Just showed got the out crash. Yeah. Post- just just ripped the bandaid off. Yeah. Whether that's Volman telling him or not. Remember Volman had that. I don't. You probably don't. Dom made a shot a picture of him doing a whip out behind the. They ruined a championship hunt. Mid-season, they were doing a photo shoot, Volman, and he's whipping it, and he endowed on his 252 stroke, and he dislocated his shoulder and broke his collarbone, and ended his. he was winning the title. This was, like, way back in the I day. I don't know that Yeah, story. yeah I'll the find of, it for you. One of the most epic photos I've ever seen of Volman is he's on what it looks like the Rockstar Suzuki, somebody's bike, and he's hitting whoops in his street clothes with no helmet. <laughs> it's like the most, like, he's it, like, he, I it's heard like he's the, crazy. It's like the, let me show you how to do it kind of thing. I think and he's got still on, the same way. And got on it, and like, he's like, like the photo looks fast, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's insane. Yeah, he's, I don't know David at all, but yeah. I, I, I follow the sport, and um, dude, Ferrandis is P2, earned, like, he earned it. Yeah. Yes, um, Zacho fell and and uh, and Chase fell, but he his lap time show he's got speed. Star Yamaha Yamaha corporate showed they have a competitive motorcycle. Yep. I really hope Malcolm does not get disheartened. I think if he gets a top three start and gets away with the front, he'll have a podium. He'll stay there. He'll stay there because he's put the work in. He's fit, and I just yeah. don't want him. I mean, I don't know. I'm just I've never been a Malcolm Stewart super fan of him, but like. Dude, you're there. Yeah. Like, you've made that next step. He's hard not to root for. He you is. Know? Like, like, he's transparent. He, he's He makes honest. it interesting. He's fun. He's got good personality. Yeah. You know, so. um, P3 last night was Brayton. Yeah. Shocker. But not really. Like, the way everything was unfolding, Steady Eddie, 36 years old. That's yeah. got to be a record for the oldest podium. It has to be. I, unless, it's got to be. Because he's older than Chad. Ch- he's, yeah. When. No, he's not. He's younger than Chad. But, but Chad, how old was Chad when he what was it Anaheim? One of the Anaheim. I think he was don't... younger, but then he podiumed again. So I'll we'll check on that. But yeah, you know, young team, Mukoff um, Honda. He came. He was rode for that team in Australia, mm-hmm. and then they have my brother's now working for Mitchell Harrison on that team. So I know a little bit more of the insight. Twisted Development's doing his motor. It's not a factory HRC motor, and he has Showa. Uh, the kit stuff. Kit there. stuff that I think show internally does. Yeah. But it's not an HRC bike. He gets the perks of the test track and all the things that Honda needs to kind of do that. But to f- see this team of five guys, it's Duffy, Nate, Uribe, a truck driver, and a helper. Go get it on the podium in a, in 2021 with that stack field. It's got like they just got to be stoked oh, today. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. They, like I'm that's sure. a huge thing, you know, and. Uribe uh, is from Australia, taking a big risk during doing yeah, this. Yeah, coming and, over here during everything that's, but, um, that's going on. Yeah, that was a pretty damn cool night for Justin Brayton, and he earned it. Cooper finally got out of his funk middle of the race. Yeah, yeah, he was He was, he was coming for JB Yeah, last lap, but yeah. I'm, I'm stoked Justin got but it. Brayton had, I mean, he gets good starts. Yep. And, you know, like we, we talked about, the track was, it, it didn't separate guys a whole lot, so... And he's really good in the whoops. Yeah. And that's what you needed last night. Like yeah. the, the whoops were really the only area that was really separating guys yeah. from somebody getting a bad run and guys getting a good run. And, and you know, we've seen some guys trying to ride the line that was, you know, kind of you'd out on the left and getting sketchy over there. Guys starting to jump them, stuff like that. But Brayton's always, I mean, he's one of the best in the whoops. So yep. uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's cool to see. Like he's, he's, uh, I think 
uh, he's obviously in a good place mentally and yeah. how he approaches it and his program is very dialed and yeah. he's very experienced. And so it's cool to, uh, to still see him, uh, do as well as he does. But I mean, you watch a guy that's very just talented in general, like the guy will go out there and jump the, ri- I mean, like I would always watch him like when I, even when I was racing and I know they rode press day and stuff yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. but there was days I know he didn't ride press day and like he, First did, lap. he doesn't roll nothing. <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> oh, it yeah. just, he'll walk the track and just roll out there and jump it. Like, yeah, he he's is like, so OCD too. also like he, he's so weird. He's so aggressive with that. But then off the track, the dude, I mean, just look at his mellow. eyebrows. Perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like he's just perfect. Right. Yeah. Everything is done. He has a plan. Yes. Um, he's very calculated. Um, yep. Yeah, he has a, and then he has a family he's taking care of. He's a motorcycle dealership yeah. that he, you know, he's got a lot of things, but I think he, what he does is he manages his life and people that are working for him. Cause he's a businessman and racer now. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't try to put it all on him. Right. So props to JB. Let's hope he can do it again. I don't know if he can or not, but he showed he can do it once and I think he can replicate it. So, yeah. Osborne, I think, you know, he fell that last lap and a half. I think he's he is fast, and he's got a point to prove. I don't see him not changing the narrative. He's done changed the narrative for his career, I mean, an umpteen amount of times. But I think the bottom line with his 450 class is it is deep, it is fast. And you said it um, on the, you know, Moto Spy, what, what, what's the comment? They're going to see multiple winners. Oh, yeah, multiple, just it's single race winners for I, I think it's gonna. It's. Could you see six? You think? Osborne yeah. could win. Yeah, I, I, I think Osborne absolutely. So you've got, you've now got, uh, Barsha, Tomac. We got Tomac. So we got two. Kenny. Kenny's Kenny can gonna, win. Kenny, Kenny will win. Kenny will win. Osborne will win. Yep. Cianciarillo will win. If Five. Sexton's healthy. Sexton, if Sexton, he could. He. He will win. Yeah. I think Webb wins. Yeah, you're at seven now. Yeah, and then and then so I look at even 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 Muskin or even and then Ferrandis too. Like those Dude. are two guys that I wouldn't put it past them either. Yeah, yeah, no, it, this is a great year to be a fan, and I yeah. love the two days a week. It's it, it was, I know, it's, 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 it's a rad. It's really cool, and we're getting a lot of um, support from you know outside the industry. And I mean, this is a tough year. I know the power sports industry is thriving on the front side. Like, yeah, you know, you guys at Maxima, you, you say that you have a very unique position that you um, in in house manufacture all your product, uh-huh. so you can control your destiny. But is it getting harder to um, get ingredients and 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 yeah, and, and products like that? Yeah. So and I know you Paul had touched on it a little bit too, just raw material shortages. Yeah. Exactly. So like we we have the ability to staff up or run multiple shifts or do things to keep up with demand as long as we have all necessary raw materials. So. Yep. Um, what, what had kind of happened and everybody's talked about it, but so this, this pandemic hits in March and we reel everything back. Our distributors reel everything back. Everybody's conservative because we don't know what's going to happen. And if you would have talked to all of us when it first started, when the closures and you got to shut down and all this stuff started happening, we probably would have told you this, we were going to take a step backwards this year. And I think a lot of people would have told you that. And then all of a sudden there's nothing for anybody to do except go outside. So you can't go to a bar, you can't go to a restaurant, you can't go to a ball game, you can't do anything that people usually do. So, well, a dirt bike looks kind of fun, or a mountain bike yep. looks kind of fun, and yep. I need, probably could lose a little bit of weight or get a little bit more fit. Fix my so, off-road truck, put some yeah. oil on that thing. Yep. Yeah, like I, I, if I get a bicycle, I can ride it right from my house. Mm-hmm. Like, So then there's this massive demand that starts happening, and so now our distributors are trying to play catch-up. So they're ordering way more than they 
normally do, <laughs> let's say, and then it's scaled up even from there, you know? So, so then we were caught in this, this huge uptick in demand just overnight. And then we start running into issues where, okay, we, we were oversold on so many things and, oh no, we're not getting bottles this week or, oh no, we're not getting this this week. So we started running into those issues and we fixed a lot of them now, but it did yep. take some time, you know, and, and everybody's had to, had some challenges, you know, but, uh, I think we've done a good job in, in, uh, controlling what we can and that's finding new suppliers, buying up when we have the ability yep. to, uh, so we're still going to have challenges. Everybody's going to have challenges, but you know, being like, so we, we get, let's say our aerosol cans, you know, so we, have, we, we fill the cans, but we obviously purchase the cans from yep. somebody. We yep. don't make the cans. Well, very similar to Lysol's can. So if you're Lysol and this is going on, you can go into these suppliers and bully them around a little bit because their volume, we'll be it's, honest, it's is, 10 is million completely times. different yeah. than our volume. So they'll pay more money. They want priority. So our stuff gets put on the back burner a little. So, and that was happening. Even like 64 ounce bottles, like the engine oil bottles or coolant, oil, coolant bottles, it's very similar to, to hand sanitizer bottles, like the bulk pack ones. And so the, our, bot, our, our bottles took a back seat to that. So, like, we had a lot of things that we had to overcome. Dude, um, well, I'm pretty confident that your team at Maxima is going to overcome those. And I'm glad these riders, teams, personnel, Feld has overcome. Like, we were the first back-to-market yep. racing. I'm a super fan of the sport. So I appreciate all the hard work, COVID tests, yep. twice a week. Let's just hope these riders all pass their COVID tests so we can see – that's Everything a, that's a big one. Yeah. I hope I pass my COVID test on Monday so I can fly to Australia and get you back on. We'll do a little Zoom FaceTime podcast because yeah. man, you have a lot of knowledge, a lot of insight to to racing, and you are, you know, in the mix. Like yeah. literally, like in the mix with everything from yeah. signing deals, producing product for engines, and I'd like to dive into more. Um, Get a, do another segment about like the right oils. I mean, I'm asking you qu yep. technical questions. Yeah. So I think in a couple of weeks, let's dive into to Maxima and what should I use for my two stroke? What should I use for my four stroke? And yeah, absolutely. As being a, you know a personal sponsor of my podcast, my family, I think it's important that we educate people and myself why I use you know uh, Super M versus Castor 927 or what's better for certain applications. So yeah, Trevor, thank you very much for coming on to this podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming up. It's a pretty big jaunt from um, Alpine. And yeah. till next time, my man. Yeah. And one, one thing before we yes. go, which I, I, I was thinking about this the other day, but uh, we just kind of talked about it just briefly on the schedule. But I think with the schedule, and, and I'll ask your opinion on it too, but I think it's going to keep guys healthy with how the schedule is now. I agree. Because the majority of the injuries that happen over the year are during the week. Guys get hurt at the test track. And so right where'd you, now... Where, where'd you get hurt? Test track. Because it's an uncontrolled environment. Exactly. But but so it's it's actually limiting the amount of time that they're on the bike a little bit. So like instead of racing last weekend, coming home and riding three days before they race again, they raced. They didn't ride again. They raced. So if you made it through that round, you're healthy for the next round. It's almost then, like a MotoGP superbike situation. You know, so I think the schedule will will keep guys healthier, which I think only benefits. Uh, you I, th know? This pandemic has done a lot of damage in a lot of ways, but I think there's a lot we're learning, and I think Supercross has changed is as the the 17 round or 18 round model has completely changed, obviously, and I think it will change forever, even once we can get over this pandemic in yeah. a positive way. Yeah, because the riders are pumped on it. Yep, they're like you know and. and the season will be done sooner. 
a little mm-hmm. bit. Yep. You know, they can stack some races together. It's more downtime for the yep. guys. They don't have to roll right from Supercross right into outdoors to then Monster Cup to I get a couple <laughs> weeks off and then I'm testing yeah. again. You know, so I think there will be some positives. But sorry to to cut off the no, end there. No, but no, we're it good. It's just something I had thought about. Yeah, and I'm glad I'm, you brought that up. I think I think we're gonna have an overall better season because of this. I like to call it, and I called it a scamdemic before, and. That's a bold statement. It's not a scam. There's there's some shit going on, and yep. we have to we have to get through it. Um, and I think our industry of two wheels will will overcome it. We were the first to overcome it, having live events in Utah. Um, and I think the continuous we being aggressive and not pussies. Bottom line of an industry, this industry is a bunch of freaking powerful people that are enthusiasts, not doing it for the money. Yeah. Um, yourself um, and all the other racing teams out there sacrificing being away from their families because we just truly love what yeah. we do. So, like I said, thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah, heck yeah. Happy to be here. It was a lot of fun, man. And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll reconnect via Zoom, Skype, yeah. FaceTime, and, and, and dive into more of Maximum products. Until next time, it's been fun, Trevor. Yeah, appreciate it.